Episode 218, how do I sound? How do you sound? Yeah, do I sound normal? Yeah, why? Oh, are you I mean, under the uh, weather? Oh. Are you really? Oh. You have me in your house? What oh, kind of yeah. a guy are Come you? Come on over, I'll give you a smooch. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, yeah. You're really sick? Oh, yeah, I've been sick. How, like, what kind of symptoms? Like, really, really congested. Any coughing? Coughing, yeah. stuff coming up, My wife's been coughing for a week. Sinuses stuff, and I haven't sounded like myself, and I've been petrified to put out episode 218 because once you put it out, it's out there, and people can listen to it forever. Petrified that you won't sound good? That I'll sound... <laughs> well, I... I guess I... <laughs> I mean, since when did that stop you? What, do you think you have Graz's voice over here? I mean, geez, or James Earl Jones? I guess the expression is the ship has sailed on that one. <laughs> yes, it has. All right, I'm glad that you don't notice. No, I don't notice. You sound fine. It's what I always hated. Well, one of the things that I always hated about the job that we did, you weren't allowed to like have a common cold without the no. whole world knowing. Uh, everybody no. knew when you were sick. Yeah. Everybody knew if you were absent. Everybody knew if yeah. you had the sniffles, you had the coughs. Yeah. You couldn't hide anything from anyone when you're in the radio business. And in my world, the, like, the two times I didn't do the show when the other people were there, they would end up calling me and talking shit about me, and then yeah. I have to call and defend myself. Like, there's no days off. There, there's no nothing in radio. You just have to show up. It's awful, yeah. Sick, not sick. Yeah. Wait, wait, you can't make it till 9.45 a.m.? Okay, I guess I'll come in. Even though my throat's killing me, I'll be there. Go out to the golf course in June. Guy comes up to, God, you sounded like shit today. <laughs> That's what you Are need. you all right? <laughs> Somebody voting on you. <laughs> I'm like, really? God, who needs that? Yeah. Can um, I? I mean, if I had a bank job, yes, the people around me would know I sounded like shit, yeah. but not the whole world would know I sounded like right. shit. Or, or you have 12 sick days a year. You're welcome to use and be left alone, too. Episode 218. Yes. Northern Minnesota. Hello. Oh, is it really? Duluth. Hello. Oh, I love Duluth. Beautiful Duluth, this time of year. Minnesota. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and I got a good stump the band later. Normally, I do the stump the band now. Yeah. And it's really relevant to this show, but I want to wait to the other stuff segment to do the stump the band question. Do you have any RIPs, by the way? I've got a million of I, them. I was just going to tell you. I, I, I'm actually <laughs> getting a little bit scared that every week we have more and more RIPs that there's going to come a time where nobody's left. Yeah, that's right. Does it feel like they ramp up during the holidays I or no? No. Terrible. Yeah, it's crazy. I was sad about the one that I heard on the day that we're recording, Paul Silas. Yeah, did I you hear that? I have that one. Yeah, yeah. 79. I reached out. He was a member of that Sonics team in 1979. Oh, uh, that's did you right. know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he, I forgot. Yeah. Everybody who I've talked to about him says this guy was one of the all-time great teammates. He's mm. the guy that you wanted on your team. Yeah. And one of the all-time sweet people. He passed away at the age of 79. LeBron James' first NBA coach. Is that true? It is true. Yeah. With the Cavaliers, he wasn't much of an NBA coach. Paul Simon. Better player. Yes. Hall of Fame player. Three championships, two-time yeah. two, two -time All Star. We only care about one of the championships, though. Why is that? 1979. Oh, no, but I'm sorry. He had three with the Celtics, too. Yeah, I don't care about those. Yeah, you don't care about those. No, Just no, the no. one in Seattle. Yeah. How long are we going to go without mentioning the Cockamamie Fakakta NFL team that resides in Seattle? I don't home? know who are they. That's right. Thank you very much. I'm with you. I thought you said you wanted to tell a story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear a quick story? No. Uh, let's go. <laughs> no. It's not my story. Let me say first. Yeah, yeah. No, no. You do the story first. No, let me do this first. Yeah, get this out of the way. Mitch Unfiltered. No, I don't want to get it out of the way. Oh, you want to actually? Because I actually have an announcement. Oh, you do? Good. I have breaking news. Wow. We're going to try something different. Okay. You're not going to think much of this, but I don't really care. Okay, fine. Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. You know that. You listen That's on easy, your yeah. Apple podcast on your phone. So right? easy, yep. Subscribe, please, and you'll have all the Monday shows just delivered right to your phone. It's, it costs nothing to hit the subscribe button on the free shows. Rate and review us. On the Apple Podcast, give us a five-star. 
Tell us what you like about it. That really helps in booking guests and algorithms and all that stuff with Apple. Now, I also, at this point in the show every time, uh-huh. say that you can become a Mitch Unfiltered patron and get the extra shows. We do four during football season, four extra shows, and then a couple during the normal season, mm-hmm. outside of football season, four extra like short 30 to 60-minute shows a week, additional content besides the Monday shows. That's right, yeah. And you, I, I always say you can have them at $5 a month. Mm-hmm. Holiday special. Uh-oh. First time I've ever done it. Okay. Doing a holiday special. Let's go. We are going to offer 50% off between now and Christmas Day. Wow. 50% off of an... So when you go on and you become a Mitch Unfiltered patron, you have one. You have two choices, two okay. options. You can either become a, a $5 a month and you pay each every month. Mm-hmm. Your credit card is, is charged $5. Mm-hmm. Or you can get an annual or a 12-month subscription. Right. You pay up front for the whole year. You pay up front yeah. for the whole year. And I think you get a month off. You get 50, It's $56 right. instead of $60. Yeah. I'm offering 12-month subscriptions between now and Christmas Day for 30 bucks. Wow. Quite the stocking 50, stuffer. 50% off. That'll be $2.50 per month instead of $5 a month. Now. The reason I decided to do this was because I I didn't want to do something that didn't give the already patrons an opportunity to save some cash. Gotcha. So this is for not only people who aren't patrons that want the the extra content Uh available at their fingertips, like Mr. Playoffs and Tail the Tape and Slick Hawk and and Randy Mueller and and, Danny O'Neill, that whole thing. It's not only for the people who are not patrons, but it's also for the patrons. If you are one of these patrons that pays $5 a month Uh and you want to stop and convert that between now and Christmas to a 12-month deal, I'll give you the the deal. Now you're going to say, what about the people that have already paid for the 12 months? Well, I wasn't, but that's a hell of a point you raised. I got nothing. (laughs) I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) What do you want from me here? (laughs) I'm doing the best I can. A lot of people have said, a lot of patrons have actually contacted me because I I floated this on Twitter. A lot of patrons have contacted me and said, stop feeling bad for the patrons. We're patrons. This happens all the time. You could subscribe to a magazine. There are offers to get new subscribers all the time. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. Yeah. I buy Christmas presents and then a week later, they're off 50% off. What the hell? That's exactly right. (laughs) You don't have to worry about the patrons, but I still kind of feel badly because this is kind of different. Those are the people that have supported me from the beginning. And I hate to give a nice deal to those who aren't patrons and just kind of ignore the ones that have already supported us. Yeah, I understand that. So that's why I did convert to a 12 month now instead of paying by month. Yeah. And you can have the same deal at $30. Let's say somebody's somebody pays. So you're saying if somebody pays monthly, they can always just go to you can always just stop patreon.com right? and convert it. I think convert it to a okay. 12 month. Yeah, I like that by the next 12. Months. Very generous of you. And I'm sure the other patrons will be totally cool with it. If they're not allowed to convert theirs to 50% off, everyone will just more than merrier. I tried. You did. Try. I got nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. So the way to get this deal, that's the cumbersome part. Okay. It's not as easy as me going on to Patreon and saying, okay, make sure you charge everybody from here until Christmas $30 for a 12-month subscription to Mitch Unfiltered. Okay. I got to do it manually, okay. which is okay. I'll do it manually. All you got to do is just write me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com and say, hey, hate Scott. Yes. I'd like the 50% off. Either... 
I'm already a patron and I'm going to convert. I want the 50% off or I'm not a patron and I would like to jump on board for the $30 for the next 12 months. Nice. And I will manually finagle it. Okay. Great way to grow the audience and expose people to all this content. I like it. I don't know that anybody's going to take advantage of this. (laughs) Right. But you know, I walk around, I see all these deals. I see Cyber Fridays and Cyber Mondays and Black. Everybody's got a deal. Everyone's got a deal. I want to have a deal. Here you go. You got your own deal. Mitch Unfiltered's got a deal. (laughs) Yeah, it's finally a deal. Okay. 50% off so you can get the next 12 months of Patreon shows, all the extra content for $30 which will mean you will be paying two and a half dollars, two dollars and fifty cents wow. per month, fifty percent off until Christmas Day. Now tell your story. For all that content, it's quite the deal. Now Freddie Roman, we talked about. He passed away two or three weeks ago. Yes, Freddie Roman's an OG of the stand-up comedy world. He's Catskills. He's Borscht Belt. Yes, I think he even has a. He put together a Broadway show about his time during that circuit. Anyway, he's a, he told this story and I just, I heard it. Yeah. And I was like, I think I want to tell it on the show. Now, maybe no one will laugh like I did, but for some reason it hit me funny. Okay, there was an actor in the 40s named Forrest Tucker, big time movie star in the 40s, okay? And it was well known in Hollywood that Forrest Tucker was doing really well downstairs, okay? Probably the, the biggest Milton one. Milton No, no, Forrest Tucker. Uh, the Milton Berle thing. What do you mean? He was doing well downstairs. Wasn't this Milton Berle? Yes, correct. Renowned for that? Yes. Large yeah. member, if okay. anyone's not doing the math. Okay. So much so what that... What do you he, call it? Edicus Didicus or something? What? what? Are you, <laughs> the weenus? Yeah, the weenus. Yeah. Okay. So he would go to like pool parties and swim naked, you know, love showing it off. So it was well known. You know, you have the friend with the abs and the pecs when it's like one degree above 60, he's got to take his shirt off. You know, yeah. that, that, that douchebag. That's me. That's me. Me too. <laughs> it was so big that he called it Chief. He had a name for it. Okay, Chief. Yeah. He was golfing one time with a buddy and he hit hit the ball pretty close to the hole and he went to go pick it up. And his buddy goes, Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, you gotta hit that in. That's 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 no gimme. You gotta hit that in. He goes, Come on, Chief could hit that in. Guy goes, Hundred bucks, he can't. No. Forrest Tucker gets down on his knees. Why are we starting the show? Now this this two? isn't even it's the holiday season this, for God's sake. <laughs> this isn't even the part of the story that made me laugh. He gets on his knees, yes, smacks it in. Smacks the ball in the hole, wins 100 bucks. Just to kind of let you know what we're dealing with this Forrest Tucker guy, okay? It's legendary. He was a member of the Friars Club as is well. Is this true, by the way? This is, now, now this is the part, well, this is the part that Freddie Roman tells. The golf one I read on my own. Okay. So he's a member of the Friars Club. Yes. Okay, and it's now it's, everyone in the Friars knows he's the king of that world, right? He's got the biggest one at the Friars. No questions asked, okay? Jesus. That was until somebody signed up named Milton Berle. Became oh, a member of the Friars did I Club. I step on you a little bit. Nah, by that's bringing all right. I'm sorry. It's just funny that you brought him up because I was bringing him up because I, I was afraid that maybe some people in our audience didn't know exactly what you were talking about. So I wanted to bring up Milton Berle yes. to kind of. Sorry. No, it's fine. But so I stepped on you. So now Milton Berle's a member of the Friars. Oh, now we got two heavyweights, right? Oh. Now they go back and forth all the time. Oh, who's got the bit? Yeah. This has been going on for a while. Freddie Roman said one day someone just said enough. I'm sick of it. We're going up to the steam room and we're going to put an end to this. You guys are going to get them out and we're going to end this. Jesus. He said 48 friars ran up to the fifth floor. They had to witness this. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> Milton Burrow goes in one locker room. Forrest Tucker goes in another locker room. They come out in robes. <laughs> Milton Burrow looks at Forrest Tucker and says, Forrest, I'm taking out just enough to beat you. <laughs> I don't know why that line absolutely killed me when I heard that. I was driving home. I could totally hear Milton, Milton Berle saying that because he's so damn funny. I'm taking out just enough to beat you. 
Oh my God. We're starting the show off with a good old fashioned wiener measuring contest, Mitch. Happy holidays, everybody. And now you expect people to take me up on my <laughs> offer of 50% off after that? Oh God, yeah, this the is what you're going to get. Is- <laughs> I love that, that line by Milton, bro. That absolutely killed me. 48 guys had to see this, by the way. I, I like that part too. Freddie said everyone ran up to the steamer like a b- bunch of kids. I got to see the good old fashioned, uh, whatever you want to call it off. What do you want me to do now? Or, well, how do I continue episode 218? <laughs> Where do I segue out of that? I don't know. Good luck. And what made you think that we all wanted to hear that on a TV? I, don't, I heard it. On the, I was driving. It's like, that's so funny. I mean, you love Milton Burrow, right? And you think he's funny. I think he's funny. I don't know. I just, I, I love that that was his line to Forrest Tucker. I'd like me. to point out to all the audience that the hot shot and those type stories are actually not part of the Patreon <laughs> that's lineup. True. That's very true. I'm so when you, when you pay 50% off $30 for the next 12 months, <laughs> yeah. You can avoid stories just like that. I, I just emailed Slickhawk a few, so maybe he'll have them out on the next uh, next one you do with him about who's got the biggest member. I'm going to take out just enough. Yeah, that, that's so funny. I'm taking just, just, just enough to win. God, that made me laugh so hard. Beat the Boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. I owe you three games and a password for next week or this coming week, which is going to be weekend number 15 in the NFL. And I'm doubling up on the password because I think the kid deserves it. I think it's the first time I've ever doubled up on a password. Okay. Use the same password as I've used in the past. Yeah. First, I'll tell you that the week 15 games that you have to choose, hopefully Steve Dion will get them right, and I won't have to give away too many prizes. We were at five. I saw your tweet, yeah. Five. Impressive. Bengals at Buccaneers, Titans at Chargers, Giants at Commanders are the three games. Password, Mm -hmm. used it before. Penix. Oh, yeah. That's weird that we haven't talked about that. Well, you and I haven't talked about it because then we can let people behind the scenes. As you were walking, I had yet to record New Heisel for last week's show. Yeah. And as you were walking out, in fact, I think you came back upstairs I and did, said, yeah. hey, did you see the news? And I said, no, we, we had already recorded our portion yeah. of episode 217. And then I was yet to still record New Heisel and you saved my ass because I would have never known to ask him. And he didn't know. It was so brand new. There was an Instagram post from yep. Penix who said, I'm coming back. Awesome. So we're going to talk about that in segment number one. You and I are going to talk about Can't that. Can't wait. Anything to avoid what happened on Sunday at Lumen Field. Sounds good to me. The password is Penix. We've done that name before. We're doing it again. P-E-N-I-X, all lowercase. Beat the Boys is presented by Fireside Home Solutions. John Waterstrat, what a partner. If you're looking for a new fireplace for the home, Mm -hmm. a fireplace insert this winter, please just start at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Their team will take great care of you. Guests, the other thing that I've been promising the last couple of weeks, maybe a month, is that we were going to go back over and reminisce, not you and I, but I was going to reminisce about the makings of Mitch Unfiltered. Hmm. And in particular, episode one. Right. How we got this thing off the ground. Okay. Guest number one of this episode 218 is none other than Jason D. Hamilton. Nice. The man who preceded you in that chair yes, right over he there. sure did. And helped me get this thing rolling and kind of pushed me to do episode one. Mm-hmm. He and his family and his wife. You're going to get the background story from Jason Hamilton and myself in segment number one in terms of the interviews, okay? okay. And then Jason Locken for an old friend. Oh, yeah. He did some research on what's going to happen with Gino at the end of the year. Called some GMs around the league, did some investigative reporting, 
figured out who other who are the other quarterback free agents. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? How much will the Seahawks have to offer him? Will he stay or will he go? Lock and Fora has a hunch. He just did a piece on it in the Washington Post a couple of weeks ago. Nice. So he's going to answer that question for I us. would love to know. And then the Seahawks note table, which will be our time to discuss. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what happened and what has happened over the last four weeks? You see, I don't, the you, Seattle Seahawks. You probably didn't see my tweet, but I said, no. can we just talk some more about all these crappy teams the Seahawks have left on their schedule? Hey, we, we, no, we, we don't have any crappy teams left on their schedule. Only have one now. What, Jets? No, the Jets are good. Oh, they are good. Oh, yeah, who's yeah. left? Rams at the end of the year, week 18, when it probably won't matter anymore. They play San Francisco on Thursday night. So that, that was, was that a crappy, good team. Was that our crappy run there? The Yeah, the crappy run's over. How do we do in the crappy run? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just played good teams. What the hell's the difference? I would have hurt less. God. We're not discussing this. Okay, fine. Hey, it's 49er week. Who cares about that? All right, cool. Jason Hamilton, Jason Locke and Fora, and the Seahawks no table. You and me for segment one, and then the other stuff segment. Hotshot episode 218 doesn't happen without our partners like Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor of Beat the Boys. Nothing quite like curling up in front of a toasty fireplace during the winter. John Waterstrat and his team just do it right. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Now, the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage, led by rock star Jordan Flowers. A very weird time when it comes to borrowing money, buying and selling homes included. But JFlow is going to describe an interesting program that keeps numbers down if you're looking at purchasing a new home. 425 890 29 Five seven Evergreen Golf Call Tax Advisor Certified Financial Planners Experienced Portfolio Managers Working Together to Bring Retirement Planning Taxes and Investments Under One Roof EvergreenGK.com More than Just a Financial Advisor Evergreen Is Everything Wealth Zeke's Pizza New Locations Popping Up All Over the Place Including Boise Idaho In Fact You'll Hear Dan Black On This Episode Two One Eight Talk About Expansion Into Oregon Incredible how the footprint of Zeke's has expanded over the last few years. Daniel's broiler for the holidays. And let me remind all of you that might have a need for a private party during this time of year. The four locations of Daniel's should be your starting place. There's just no venue quite like Daniel's broiler for a special holiday occasion. Daniel'sbroiler.com. Episode 218, Fergus Falls, Minnesota. Hello. Begins right now. Unfiltered. You don't even have to be that good right now if you're the Seahawks to be able to jump past the 49ers and just win the division and have a home playoff game, right? It's right there. It's never been the NFC West in the last 20 years has never been there for the taking with five weeks to go like it is right now unfiltered you call me a nervous nelly i don't know that i'm nervous but i'm disappointed really madly disappointed with that i thought they were going to go down to los angeles and beat and beat what amounts to an xfl team by a couple of touchdowns and they needed a last minute drive from uh, from geno smith which was quite impressive and a terrific throw to dk metcalf in the end zone to pull that game from the fire mitch is unfiltered And so episode 218 
is now officially underway. Moorhead, Minnesota. Hello. <laughs> is that really a place, Moorhead? <laughs> Duluth. <laughs> I've heard of that place, Duluth, a lot. Never been. You ever been to Minnesota, the state? Of, ever? Cor- of course. Why, of course? I've been to Minneapolis several times. Oh, you have? Yeah. Like for sports stuff, like radio stuff? Yes, yes, and yes. Huh. Yes. In fact, people like to talk about or like me to talk about when I went for 25 years on trips with my father to college basketball oh, tournaments. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, you've probably been everywhere then. Well, the very first place we went to kick it all off in like 1980. When did they have the Final Four here when Michigan played? Oh, Ramil Robinson's yeah, Michigan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 89? 89. I want to say 89. There yeah. you go. That's when it all started. Oh, gotcha. Okay. The Sweet 16 of 1989 took me to Minneapolis, Minnesota, Hmm. and I met my father who came up from Florida and Mm -hmm. he had such a good time. We said, let's do this again next year. And we did it for 25 years. It was actually the beginning of the run, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I also went to an all-star baseball game with my two sons. Oh, I remember going to downtown Minneapolis and we were walking, the two sons and me, we're walking down the streets downtown and I came across the statue of Mary Tyler Moore throwing her hat in the air. Oh, that's a big moment for you. Who could turn the... World on with her smile, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It was it was the Minneapolis streets where she, there's like a statue commemorating it. Awesome. I was like, guys, you got to see this. <laughs> how excited were they on a scale of one to 10? How, how fast did they come rushing over to get excited about that statue? Even more excited for the, uh, the Freddie Roman <laughs> Milton Berle contest. <laughs> it was, well, Freddie Roman was not in it. It was Forrest Tucker who was in it. But oh, yeah, Forrest Tucker. Yeah, he was the one that was actually gifted downstairs yes not gifted enough well according to milton burrow and freddie roman not gifted enough yes the mitch unfiltered holiday offer 12 months for 30 bucks <laughs> uh email me mitch at mitch unfiltered.com uh it is uh offered until christmas day december 25th you and i never talked about the michael Penix decision which came down as we were recording yep Episode 217, we didn't see it until you and I had finished recording yep. episode 217. What a shocker. I mean, yes, it is. But really? It, but in the world of, of the NIL, is that what the name is? Yes, it is. It's less shocking, right? Because you can just make money now and you don't have to go try to support your family like a lot of people try to do. When if they you go believe to the NFL. that he has struck a deal, a big deal, maybe a booster's come through, maybe somebody's come through, yeah. giving him a million bucks sure. for next year. Yes, that would be a you know a table-turning event. Yep. And it would make it a lot more understandable because for me, this is a shocker. You know, he got this hurt. This is a shocker. But he got hurt every year at Indiana, didn't he? I mean, he was hurt a lot there, I think. Yes. So maybe he feels sort of shortchanged by the college football. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm just I'm trying, trying to come up with reasons. naive. I mean, the NIL, the NIL remark is valid. And yeah. that's probably a big thing here if it's happening. Okay. But outside of the NL, the NIL, to think that he would come back when you consider, A, the year that he just had. Mm-hmm. B, I'll go back to what you just said about the injuries. Yeah. He's injury prone. Sure, he was in Indiana for sure. Okay. Would you like to come back and risk getting injured again? One more year of college football before you go to the NFL? He's going to be 23 years old when next season starts. Yeah. He's going to be nearly 24 years old at the time of the draft after next year. Mm -hmm. He is not a young guy. There were mock drafts that were figuring that he was going to be in the first round, in the late stages of the first round this year. Okay, that was another question I had. 
how much better of a season can the guy have next yeah. year? I remember the Isaiah Thomas. Remember the Isaiah Thomas deal? Not the piston. Yeah. No, no, The no. one from Tacoma. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember when he was a junior at the University of Washington? He had a great year as a junior. He had one more year left. Yeah. And he was going to be like a second round pick. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going, I'm going to the NBA. And the answer was, what am I going to do more? I'm not growing. <laughs> right. If the NBA thinks I'm too small today. Right. What's going to happen in a year? The NBA is going to think I'm too small in a year from now. That's I so just true. come off of an all-American year. Yeah. What am I really going to do except get a year older? I would kind of apply the same thing to Michael Penix. What is he really going to do? Now, maybe some quarterback, Nick, would call me and say, oh, Mitch, he's got to prove that he can throw this pass and that. Yeah. No. His numbers speak for I themselves, I right? I can't imagine yeah. that a year from right now, no matter what the guy does, he'll be thought of any higher than he is right now. So why not take his game to the NFL and give it a shot? So when he decided last week to come back, I was... It's amazing. I was how, stunned. How excited are Husky fans for this next season? Risking injury, the whole thing. Yeah, the injury thing's interesting. I mean, it, 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 medical science has come so far. You remember when, when uh, Adrian Peterson blew out his knee and then the next year led the league in rushing? Like, yeah. it's, you know, remember with that injury that Willis McGahee had that awful injury in the bowl game that one year, and then 10 months later he's under a squat rack doing 450? And I don't know. Do injuries really keep good players out of the NFL? Is that no, really a valid thing it, anymore? No, but what injuries do is if he gets hurt – and he's in a rehab process, mm -hmm. and he doesn't finish half of his year, what it does is it kills his draft stock. I'm not saying he can't recover from whatever injury he has next yeah. year, but the whole point is not to kill his draft stock. Yeah. If he blows out a knee and he can't play, he, he might not even go, he may go undrafted. He may get drafted in the fifth or sixth round if he can't play. Yeah. Or maybe somebody will say he's injury prone. Look at the two years at Indiana. Now he's gotten hurt and it's finally... No, he could, yeah, medical science, he'll get better, yeah, he'll but he's going to kill his first contract in the NFL if he gets hurt. That's it, the problem. Um, it does seem like a bit of a gamble, but I don't know, maybe he just loves it. Maybe he loves being big man on campus. And yes. yes I'm and sure yes. he hasn't had trouble finding a date. He fit. He finished eighth. <laughs> I'm sure he's doing okay in that, that department too at the old uh, campus, right? I'm back to Forrest. Uh, <laughs> I'll show you after the show. It's pretty impressive. Anyway, sorry, what were you going to say? You have pictures? Well, there, there's one that exists of him uh, clearly not wearing underpants, and he's got jeans on, and he's got one leg up, like, on a stump posing. Wait, Gosh. I can't tell which is the stump, actually, but... <laughs> yeah, I'll show you after the show. Anyway, you go ahead. You just love this. <laughs> you love this. Him and Ham would be a good competition. What happens to Sam Heward and Dylan Morris? Great question. Yeah, with the transfer can't portal, can't imagine happens, that they're going to stay, even though Sam Heward has got... All kinds of connections to the program with his father and his uncle. Yep. I don't know. How can you stay? This is a this is a punch to the gut. But what year will Sam Hewitt be? He won't be a junior, will he? No, I don't. I, sophomore? I think he, no, I think sophomore, yeah. I think he has... Because to me, that... I mean, if it was going into his senior year, yes, he wouldn't stay. And maybe, I gotta believe he's got three years that's of, what I of think eligibility too. remaining. So you're the starter for your junior, senior year. Is that the end of the world? But then who's to say that they're not going to go into the transfer portal and bring somebody else in? Yeah, I guess. And who's to say that Dylan Morris isn't going to beat you out for the job the following year? There's so much uncertainty for him not to be able to compete for the job in this coming year and have Michael Penix come back. That's gotta be a death blow to the relationship between Washington. It's got to be. But if, if he wants to play. 
he's a guy who could go somewhere else, not have to sit out like he used to, yeah. and go start somewhere. Could he, though? Do we know that? I got to believe somebody would take a Division One school would take a shot on him and let him start. I got to believe it. Did he light the place on fire when he would come in from time no, to time? No, no, no. Well, no, he didn't. I mean, he was young. I know it's not really fair. We haven't seen him much, but... Hey, if you're telling me Penix is draft, uh, you know, injury prone, hey, Sam here is standing right there. Maybe he'll get his shot. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it'd be the worst thing ever for him to stay, Heward, and then, hey, junior and senior year, let's go. You got two years. These are your years. You're ready. You learned under a guy who throws up gaudy numbers. He can help you. You got low miles. You haven't taken any hits in three years. You're ready to go. I was trying to think the last many years of being a college football and college basketball fan of a decision to return mm -hmm. that surprised me more than Michael Penix. Now, again, as you point out, the NIL is here and it wasn't here. So it's yeah, kind of... It's not a fair fight. It's not Apple... It's not a fair fight. It's not a fair fight. <laughs> it's not a fair comparison. No, it is not. <laughs> See what you did? Yeah, everything just sounds dirty now. I know. No, it's not. But... Who'd you come up with? I couldn't come up with one. Hmm. Because everybody, if they're even close to being on the fence, goes. Yeah. Always. This guy was going to be a first-round draft choice or a second-round draft choice. And he's 23. He's going to be 23 years old. Yeah. That must have been a hell of a deal he got from that booster. I don't know what he got. <laughs> is he set for life or something? This is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Now, you, you didn't mention Heisman. True. He was not on the radar at all. <laughs> Nobody talked about him at the beginning of the season. And he ended up finishing eighth. Now... The Heisman winner, ladies and gentlemen, is coming back too. Right. So Michael Penix isn't going to be a preseason, <laughs> even first-team all-conference quarterback. That's right. He might because be. the Heisman Trophy winner is coming back to USC. Right. But we all have seen before Heisman Trophy winners that end up coming back because either they have to or they decide to, most often don't have the same season the following year. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Bryce Young didn't even make it to New York this year. Right. And he's a great quarterback. Who's the last back-to-back -back Heisman winner, a two-time in a row Heisman winner? That would be Archie Griffin. That's the last one? 1974 Holy and 75. Shit. Thanks for asking. It is hard, apparently. And let me tell you about Archie. Oh. He was he gifted? Gifted. Wait, did Billy Sims win it yeah. twice or no, just once? No, 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 no. Just once? Twice. Okay. Yeah. Archie Griffin. That's, I believe he's wow. the only two-time winner, oh, unless the, I'm wrong. Oh, he's the only one, not even just the last. He's no one's ever done it. No one did it before him. Am I? Well, no, no, no one ever did it before him, and or then since? forever, That's and it maybe since. I don't know. Am I missing somebody? So you're right. Yeah, it is difficult, clearly, to have that same season. Well, most of the guys, to be fair, that win the Heisman, they come out. Yeah, they're or, either a senior or they're they're draft eligible or whatever. This yeah. guy at USC is too young. He cannot come out. Bryce Young. Was too young, I mm. believe. He couldn't. He had not played enough years under the collective bargaining agreement to enter the draft. So, this guy at USC is coming back. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know. But I sound like a guy who's like mad about. It. I'm not mad about it. I don't. I don't You're want just people perplexed, to perplex. Right. I, I just. I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled <laughs> yeah. to be able to watch. I think it's going to be so exciting for Washington to add a couple of defensive players. Oh, hit that portal. I hope that these wide receivers and one, the one in particular comes back. They're hitting the transfer portal. They're already offered a defensive back or a corner from Wake Forest, I saw. Nice. You would think that they'll get better defensively. They're going to bring everybody else back. I mean, this is... This could be amazing. They're going to be in the top 10 or 12 in the country right out of the gate preseason. They'd have to be. Yes. Just yeah. with him alone. Just with him alone. Yeah. It's a good time to be and a student Kalen there. And Kalen DeBoer's second year. And yeah, right. Yeah. And they still got a bowl game to go. Fantastic. Yeah. It's amazing. Fantastic. Fun, fun for Max.
Because when you go to college and your football team sucks, it's awful. Because those Saturdays can be a blast, right? I, I don't mean, know about that because my team was great when I was <laughs> Were they there. really? They Tom were really Rathman? Good. Was he? No. Who was Tom <laughs> Rathman? How did he go to Nebraska? Oh, is that where he Do went? Do you think I went to Nebraska? Who was the big fullback that went there? Was that a... Uh... Not Tom Rathman, but uh, how about Daryl Johnson? Yeah, the move. That's what Would I was you like to talk about. Daryl Johnson <laughs> was he there when you were there? I was with him when he got drafted. Oh, you were? Yeah, he was on the wow. radio with me the day that he got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I was kidding. With a wow, Dallas really Cowboy were. towel around his neck oh, that's at 44's cute. restaurant and bar. Yes, nice. I was there. Oh yeah, we had a hell of a team. Who else was on that team? That Syracuse team. Do we really have to go through this? No, you don't. Just I'm just trying to. Is there anyone else I would know? Is all I care the, about. The runner-up to the Heisman was on that team, 1987. Okay. Oh, 86. Don McPherson was. Yeah, I know that the name. The coach yeah. was Dick McPherson. Okay. No relation. The quarterback was Don McPherson. That's weird. They went undefeated and they went to the Sugar Bowl and faced Pat Dye and Auburn. Oh. They were number three in the country when they went. The U.S. G Sugar Bowl. Unfor- unfortunately, one versus two were playing against each other, so there was no shot. Oh, gotcha. To win the national championship, and they tied in the Sugar Bowl. Did they really? Yeah. Wow, oh, interesting. Anyway. That was a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, Thank you I'm for that. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yes, I did. <laughs> it could have been worse. I could have talked about 30-24 to 24 on Sunday, Carolina over Seattle. Could have talked about the the fourth bad performance in a row, the Bucks. Yeah. The Raiders. <laughs> Forgot about that game. Even yeah. the win against the Rams, not very good. No. The performance against the, the Panthers. And I'm going to leave... I'm going to leave this to the Seahawks note table. If people want to hear in-depth analysis of Sunday's 30 to 24 loss and where that places the Seahawks at seven and six, are they out now? Are they not going to make the playoffs and all that stuff? You can listen to the note table a little later on in this podcast, episode 218. I'll just say this. Do you remember the name Greg Roberts? The prognosticator? Yes. They got the wrong team favored. <laughs> yes. I remember him, of course. We called him the Dixie Dynamo. Sure. He, had he a, came on for years, years and years and years and years. When you first went to the morning show and I was yes. running your board, that's I remember he was on then. Yeah. Like right early on yes. in so your Until career. he went to jail, he was on that's for right. years and years and years. <laughs> he was, was, and he was really well endowed. Pre-felon. <laughs> he was well endowed. You ask me why. <laughs> ask me why I want to bring up the Dixie Dynamo Greg Roberts. He put the dick in Dixie Dynamo. Why do you want to bring him up? He used to predict games, college football games, and have all these little catchphrases, and he was fun to listen to. It was incredibly entertaining. Oh, you remember that? Well, he was awesome. Yeah, I used to very, book it. I used yeah. to have to get him on the show. Oh, very I easy. didn't book him, but I'd have to call him Friday, at the right time. And Friday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, eight o'clock on Friday mornings on KJR. I remember I went to, I took all his picks, and I went flew to Vegas on, for that weekend. I and how'd you do? <laughs> Not very good. Not good. <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't bring up Greg Roberts. No, he, but I'm sure he had his moments when he was good, yes. Greg Roberts would tell you if, he's, if he was here today, if you said to him, what's the single most important stat that determines winners and losers in college football and pro football? What's the single biggest stat? Hmm. He would have told you, very simple, Mitch. They got the wrong team. They <laughs> folded like a Kmart deck chair. <laughs> right, he had them all. He would have said, how you run it versus how you stop the run. Also, the run game on both sides of the ball. The teams that have huh. the best differential, he would say. And there was a oh, stat. Oh, interesting. The teams, he always knew. Who the teams were that ran it great and stopped the run? Those were the teams you bet in football. The teams that ran it great huh. and stuffed the run. Okay. Would you say the Seattle Seahawks over the last four weeks are a team that Greg Roberts would have admired? <laughs> ran it great and stopped the run? 
I told you, I got more more miles on this body running the ball than they, the running backs they have now. And this is all I'm going to say for segment one. Yeah, I'll let everything else go to the note table. But on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers, now I'm going to give you some stats, and what I'm going to do, allow me, if you will, to take the liberty of taking Geno Smith's scrambles out. Okay. Because that's not really the run game. Correct. That counts as rushing yards. It's pretty rare that that's a planned play. That's not a planned play. Right, he's running for his So I I pulled, in the last four games, I pulled the Geno Smith scramble yards. Not rushing, but scramble yards out. Okay. And I'll share with you, and you tell me whether Greg Roberts, (laughs) the Dixie Dynamo in jail, would appreciate this version of the Seahawks or not. Okay. On Sunday against the Panthers... The Seahawks ran it 11 times for 26 yards, Mm. and they gave up 46 carries for 223 yards. (laughs) Okay. In the win against the Rams, they gave up 171 yards rushing, and they ran it 90 for 90 yards. Okay. In the game against the Raiders, they gave up 283 yards rushing, and they ran it for 43 yards. You said 283? 283. Okay. And then in the game in Germany against the Bucks, they gave up 161 and ran it for 17. 17 yes. total. Okay. So when you add it all up, let's do a little math in the last Please, four games. Please, yes. I got to do this on my head. 223 and 171. I didn't do this. 394, 594, 677, 777, 838 yards. They've given up in the last four games rushing. 838 yards. Can you remember that number? How is that possible? Yes. 838 yards in the last four games. Okay. And in those last four games, they've rushed the ball for 26 plus 90. Oh, this will be easy. 116. Yeah. Plus 43. 159 plus 17. 176. What did I tell you to remember? 838. 838 to 176 in rushing. Not good? Is that what you're telling me? So I'd like to ask you, how would Greg Roberts... (laughs) Yeah. How would Greg Roberts appreciate a team that stops the run the way the Seahawks stop the run and run the ball the way the Seahawks run the ball? He'd rather stay in prison than watch those four games and bet on them. He would. Ladies and gentlemen, they're seven and six and out of the playoff picture, and that is the single biggest reason. Now, now look, I'm not sitting here telling you they can't run it. I'm not telling you why. They they didn't have Kenneth Walker the last couple of games. Yeah. They've had poor offensive line play. I mean, there's maybe there's excuses that they have. I don't see many excuses for being able to not stop the run. Right. That's a big But one. when it comes to their running game, maybe you would. And yes, you know, Gino had his worst game. That and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game was his worst game. But how many quarterbacks do you know? That you can send out there week after week and say, okay, you're going to have no running game. No running game. Yeah. In fact, the defense is just going to play you against the pass. They're not even going to respect your run because you have no running game. And, oh, by the way, your defense is not going to be able to get off the field. Now go win the game, Gino. How many quarterbacks? I don't care who you are. Yeah. Tom Brady in his prime. He needed a running game. He needed some defense to play with. You know, everybody's taking shots at Geno. Fine. He had a bad game on Sunday. It wasn't his best. Mm -hmm. He turned the ball over early. He got them into a hole early. I get it. But how about giving the guy some help? Yeah. A a ground game or a defense. Give the guy some help. 
A little bit of help. It'd be nice because the Raiders and Panthers both have all pro tailbacks, at least two. Well, the Raiders team. do, but uh, the Panthers, yeah, you're going to give up 223 to a team that just gave up Christian McCaffrey. To <laughs> <team>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I know. I was like, he's not even on that team anymore, is he? I saw it, by the way. I saw him running for a touchdown for the Niners. That's just scary. Hopefully you won't see too many of those on Thursday night. Uh, are we betting on whether we will or not? I know which way I'm going. Yeah. They lost Debo Samuel. They did. Okay. It's too bad, too, because the story of Mr. Irrelevant starting for the 49ers is and such, doing a, very, very such well. an incredibly cool, inspirational story. He was great His on dad's Sunday tearing up in the, yeah. in the crowd. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I, I want to root for the story, but I can't. He's in the NFC West. I can't do it. And he's going to be here on Thursday night. His first road game is against your Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night. So we'll see what happens. <sighs> Would have been nice to go with a little momentum, but... This is, Seven my and six. this is my nightmare. You go about 500. You don't get a great draft pick. Nah. You're not going to make the playoffs. You're going to get a great draft choice. Yes, not because of this team. But, but. You do realize <laughs> go on. that Russell Wilson not only got hurt on oh, Sunday. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. You didn't know that he got hurt? Like bad? They're looking at him for a concussion. He had like a bump. on. Remember oh. Fred Flintstone? When he'd get hit on the head, a bump would, whoop, yeah. would come up. He had one of those, like a like a knot, yeah. in the side of his head after he got hit with a helmet on. He had a knot. He had an. He took his helmet off. That's how I saw the knot. Right. I'm just saying. How would you get one with a helmet on? How would you get a knot on your head? I'm telling you, he had a knot. Wow, that's a hard a, hit. A super big knot, like a big golf ball size knot Yikes. in the side of his head. He played actually very well on Sunday Did he? in a loss. Yes, he played maybe one of his best game, maybe his best game, and they came up short and lost to the Chiefs. You do understand that they're three and ten now. Yes. And you do understand that the Chicago Bears were idle and they were 3-10. and 10. And based on tie-breaking draft philosophy, yes. the Denver Broncos pick is now number two overall. Wow. Number the Seattle two. Seahawks, if the season ended today, which it doesn't and it's stupid to even talk about, yeah. would have this number two overall pick, which of course... I would think they'd want to trade, but it'd be very tricky. That's another that's another segment to be. Yeah, we're have. gonna have months to f- obsess over the draft because and what we don't we would know do. yet that they're gonna be number two. But yeah, at this moment, wow, they are number two. When that trade happened, and you knew they had their first round pick, and I said, "Would you sign up right now for a top ten pick?" You would have signed up instantly back then, instantly. right? Instantly. Unreal that it could be you top five. Well, first of all, you would have bet that their own pick is going to be higher than the Broncos. <laughs> That's pick, right. <laughs> but they're going to have that too. <laughs> right. I would have bet my life on that if, I, if that was a bet in Vegas. Well, the way it's going, maybe it'll still happen. <laughs> True. <laughs> I never know. <laughs> the season is young. Oh, dear. Yeah. That sucks. I was excited for this team to come out of nowhere and make a little noise in the play. You know, be, be the team. No, no, nobody wants to play this team. You know, be, I wanted to be that team. And now they just look lackluster and uninspired. And yeah. maybe, maybe they'll turn it off, turn it around against the Niners. Maybe. That's all we can hope for. Maybe. Yeah. This is the NFL. All right. Three segments of interviews. And then the other stuff segment, I've got a ton. Well, I'll be damned. Look, <laughs> look who it. All right. That was corny. That was corny. <laughs> Dan Black, president of Zeke's Pizza is back with us. 
I'm Mitch Unfiltered. What's the latest over there, Dan? How's Zeke's doing? Oh, very corny. That's even cornier <laughs> than the nicknames. It's funny, though. Uh, uh, what's new over here? You know, it's it's fall time and lots of football, uh, lots of pizza, lots of beer. We're transitioning here to a new beer lineup. Fall has its own rhythms. Uh, moves a little bit more towards delivering takeout and away from dine-in a little bit. But people are coming in to watch football in our bars and stuff. And so we're like probably most of the listeners here is we're, yeah. we're rooting, for, rooting for the Hawks and enjoying that. I'll tell you what, anybody who's listened to Unfiltered knows that you guys are growing like a weed. Spokane is humming along. A visitor, too, from a certain Gonzaga basketball coach. Boise, Idaho is on the way. That'll represent the first restaurant outside of the Washington State. And I was wondering, going back to the beginning, was that always the idea, the wide, wide footprint going outside of the state of Washington, Dan? Yeah, Mark Few asked for you while he was over there. I told him you'd be right over. I did. It wasn't necessarily when it started. Uh, Doug and Tom, our founders, it was more basic than that. They really wanted to kind of live the ultimate Northwest lifestyle. And to them, that meant powder skiing and windsurfing. And <laughs> they had lame jobs in Anderson Consulting that really didn't allow them to do a lot of that. So they, you know, they founded Zeke's to have kind of the independence and be able to build the life they want. And, you know, we continue to do that through our franchising. That's a cool thread from our origin. But Pretty soon after we started, it became clear that we were definitely the pizza place that had kind of Northwest values at its roots. And it became clear that we could become the Northwest pizza place. And, you know, one foot in front of the other all these years, we're on the verge of actually doing that. You mentioned that we're uh, getting ready to open Boise. That's on track for February. And, you know, we're working on Portland and it looks like that has a good chance of happening. And so between those two things, we actually will be the real Northwest pizza place. It'll be great. Incredible. Feels like winners really snuck up on us. Zeke's has always had the best local beer selection. We've talked about that. And you've always said that there are certain brews that go well with this time of year. What are those? Yeah, you know, winter beers, they heavy is the wrong term, but they're a little bit more high octane and drink one or two or so. We just got a new batch of Zeke and Destroy that hit uh, restaurants a couple of days ago. And, and Zeke and Destroy is one of our flagships. It's one of the ones that you can only get at Zeke's. We talk about all the beers that you can only get at Zeke's, and that's one of the most popular ones for sure. So we just got a new batch of kegs in for that. It's in most of the restaurants. and. Like I say, it's high octane. It's a double IPA. It's almost 9%. So proceed with caution, but they're really tasty and they they go really well in winter. So oh, Zeke's Pizza, download the app. Great partners of Mitch Unfiltered, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. So uh, this is episode zero of the podcast, the unfiltered podcast. That's Jason Hamilton. I'm Mm -hmm. Mitch. And so what are we doing here? This this is like an exhibition game. This is like a preseason game. This doesn't count. So a couple of weeks ago, we at Mitch Unfiltered actually began our fifth year. Something like 800 shows in the books. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that I'm not sure that we would have ever even gotten off the ground if not for, in part, our next guest. He'd like to take total responsibility. He'd like to be totally accountable. <laughs> but uh, he's the former, here I got it, pickpockety guard at the University of Washington, an analyst of the radio broadcasts, flagship station 93.3 KJR, Jason D. Hamilton. How are you, Jay Ham? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, that was a heck of an introduction. I appreciate that. And yes, I, I'm taking full credit for the entire Miss Unfiltered production. 
<laughs> everything. Everything. Did, did you like pickpockety guard at the University of Washington? I did because I, I only now I only have one one record that stands because of one Matisse Thibel who owns every other Steel's record career season uh, only single game and so yeah that's I guess that's pickpockety uh, since I've got the one one remaining Steel's record there at the UW and what is it how many against whom nine at Eastern Washington oh that doesn't count Eastern Washington you got to do it against a a Pac-12 school or something else, don't you? Or Pac-8 when you played Pac-5, Pac-4 school, don't you? Well, I mean, I mean, which record do you have against a Division One <laughs> opponent? I, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. I don't know. Biggest no- the Millman School or whatever, whatever the heck you went to. It was called the Newhouse School, first of all. Newhouse School, yeah, thank you. Second of all, I own many records. Biggest schnoz at a Big East game at Georgetown. Biggest schnoz at a Big East game at Syracuse. Biggest schnoz at a game at Villanova. I own a lot more records than you do. What do you remember about November 2018 when I reached out to you for the first time and discussed the idea of doing a podcast called Unfiltered? What do you recall? You know, I recall, I recall actually just being excited to hear that you were thinking about it, you know, that, that it was, you know, something that was bubbling in your mind that you were ready, I guess is the the way that I would put it ready to put yourself out there again. And it, it really had nothing as much as I joked about, you know, it was all about me. It really was nothing to do with how I was potentially going to be a part of it. It was more about how excited I was that you were uh, at a point in your life that you were, you were ready to go and do something. And, and uh, I know that that was a difficult decision for you and for your family. And it was just like, wow, he's, he's ready to do this. And this is going to be a really good thing, not just for him, but for everybody that's, you know, missed you on the air uh, and wanted to hear, hear your voice again. Were you surprised that I called you or that I asked you to be a part of it? Or not surprised? Uh, I, you know, honestly, I, I I don't know that I was surprised or not. I was, like I said, I, I think I was more just happy to hear that you were going to do something. And then, you know, in part that if I could assist in that, that that would, that would be fun. That would be a good thing to do. Uh, and because I, you know, more than just working with you for, you know, years, it was, it was more of a thing for me to say, gosh, you know, if I can be a small part of helping him get off the ground, that would be great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of people in the market that you've worked with over the years and we always had good fun when we, uh, when we worked together. So it was more of a, uh, of an excitement from my standpoint to, to, to say yes to something like that. When you weren't doing, what was the name of the thing that you did in the newspaper? You still do it. The numbers thing, Sudoku, when you weren't doing Sudoku yeah. in the middle of my segments, I'd be talking to Jay Ham on KJR. I look down, he's, he's doing a Sudoku from the Seattle times or something, right? I would always do that. And part, you know, because <laughs> you, you, you know, listen, you got to remember, there's there's a lot of time when you're doing when you were doing your 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 straight interviews. I was not a part of those interviews. What am I supposed to do? Just just stare at you <laughs> and your nose? Like I'm not I'm not I'm not doing that. I gotta I gotta keep myself I gotta keep myself <laughs> occupied and, and my mind my mind right. Oh dear. So we recorded episode zero. Do you remember? Do you remember we did a test run which we called episode zero. And even after we decided to record the podcast, as you recall, it wasn't a certainty that I was going to go forward with it 
because I felt like we had to do episode one, which a lot of the people have heard now. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. And I wasn't sure whether whether one was going to be okay for my family, for you, for the listeners, for my family's family. I was very uneasy about it, but I felt like we had to do episode one if we were going to do a podcast at all. Yeah, let me start with episode zero. I mean, for people that haven't heard episode zero, and they should also go back to that because what what I recall about episode zero was I was more afraid that we weren't going to be able to do the podcast, even if we wanted to, because you know you're 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 Mr. Technology, you know, and um, the fact that you were like, I I put all this together. Let's let's test these mics. Let's uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm mixing this. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. <laughs> but uh, you pulled it off. You pulled it off. Episode zero, you pulled it off. And then, and then obviously episode one, um, boy, there was a ton, of, you know, for, for, for people who haven't heard this story. I mean, just the back and forth about whether or not episode one was even going to go on the air, even though we recorded it. Yeah. yeah. That, part I remember, you know, vividly of, all right, we've done it. And there's a lot there and there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot of emotion. And is this, are we sure? Is your family sure? Are we even going to do this? Right. That's what I remember. What do you, what do you recall feeling being across the table? Because as people who have heard it know, I think they know we can confirm it. There were no rules about episode one, right? I never said to you, that's right. we're not going here. We're not going there. We're going to lay it all on the table as emotional as it was my story. And you sat across the table and you couldn't have been as, as far as I'm concerned. And everybody has said it who's listened to it and has re, you know, reacted to it, that Jason was perfect. Jay Ham was perfect on the other side of the table. You listened, you asked questions, you jumped in when you felt the time was right. What do, what do you recall about um, about just the, the, the recording process? And then we'll get into how everybody, I wanted everybody to listen to anybody who would that was close to me that would listen to it, including my sons, my family, my wife, my wife's family, your family. I think I think your wife listened to it, right? Michelle listened to it? Yeah. yeah. Yep, she did. Yeah. 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 I, um, so I, I've been asked a few times about, or not even a few times, many times about episode one. I will say this. And, and uh, if people haven't listened, they need, they need to listen to it. And, and, and I'm not forcing them to, but I think it's a very important, you know, launch point for, for what's happened and what's transpired and what, where you are today. But I was lost in the moment. It, it was not really that we were recording mm-hmm. uh, for me. It was more about watching somebody wrestle with their own emotions and wanting to explain and apologize, but more just sort of, you know, be raw. And uh, I've had people ask, you know, did Mitch have notes? And I said, no, there was, this was not scripted in any way. You know, I'm sure in his mind, he had a, a feeling of, of areas that he needed to touch on, but it was a man bearing himself, uh, very, very publicly. And it it was, it was hard. It was hard to watch, honestly. It was, but it was also, it was very gratifying in a way to see uh, the vulnerability and transparency that, that you showed in a, in a very emotional way. What were some of the other questions if you can recall when you say people ask you about episode one? They asked me about, you know, was it, were you guys really considering not airing? Yeah. 
uh, you know, was it was it a foregone conclusion and that was just kind of a thing? And I was no. like, no, oh no, uh, no, this was, you know, for people that also don't know, I mean, you and you and I met uh, earlier, late summer, my wife came mm-hmm. to meet with you. Yes. I mean, there was a lot that went into this. This wasn't, you know, behind the scenes you know, there was a ton of stuff going on at your house. There was some stuff going on at my house that we were having conversations about this, that, you know, it was, it was a really big deal. And, uh, episode one was a culmination of a lot of things that even still, like I said, once it was done, it was still like, are we doing this? Uh, and are you willing to do this? And is your family willing to do this? And so, you know, I think now, like you said, 800, Plus episodes later, it seems like, well, of course, this was a foregone conclusion and it really wasn't. No. What do you recall Michelle's reaction being to episode one? So I think I, I'd, I'd start with, you know, a few weeks before we even got to the recording of episode one and just, you know, the conversations that she and I had about my association with, with this and with you. Sure. And, uh, when, when you reached out, I, she and I had a conversation. I said, Hey, listen, um, you know, Mitch called, he's thinking about doing a podcast. Uh, he asked me to be involved, not swaying her in any way, not, not giving a lean on what my feeling was. I want to just hear her unfiltered sort of, you know, emotion about it. Because of course she, she, she knew, she, she knew what, what transpired and, and she said, you know, if you feel strongly about this and he's going to do this, you know, he needs the support and you should do it. It's nice. That's before she heard it. That's before she heard episode one. Mm-hmm. Then I said, listen, we're going to, we're going to throw some things out there. I, I know he's going to want to have this conversation in episode one. And, uh, we listened to it together. She and I listened to episode one together and um, we finished. And, you know, I think there, there, there probably was some emotion there for, for her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, you, you guys got to air this. I think it's important. And uh, that was that. Yeah. It's a crucial moment. Obviously my family, most importantly, and I didn't want to embarrass anybody in my family more than I had already embarrassed my family. I had, you know, my sons were much younger. It's four years ago. Sure. And um, I recall them sitting there and listening to it with the headphones on where we recorded it, which was a, a kind of a poignant moment for me. And they gave me the thumbs up and the family and I, my wife's family listened. I believe her father and her mother and her brothers both listened before we made the decision to, uh, to yeah. launch it. And I guess the rest, as they say, is history. And for people that want to go back and, and hear kind of my story and where I was at the time and what brought me away from KJR and into the podcast world, episode one. And you asked me via text, what's the best way to listen to it? I don't know if you want to scroll down through like 200-something shows on the app. <laughs> uh, but but I think if you just do a Google search and you write Mitch Unfiltered, episode one, I think it pops right up there. For it does. Who want, it does. Wants to listen yeah, to it. Anyway. it sure does. Well, thank you. Uh, I'll thank you before I change the subject to the Huskies. It's uh, I've told you this before, both uh, on the podcast while we were recording and without it, you were a really good friend back then. And I appreciate it. And it'll never it'll never be taken for granted your role in all this. So thank you very much for that. 
I appreciate it. No, absolutely. My pleasure. Huskies, 7-3 and three after the loss on Friday to Gonzaga. What was that, 70 in a row at home for Gonzaga? You yeah. Wanna, you want to just give us a couple of thoughts, a couple of pearls? I, I said to you before we started, this whole transfer thing in college basketball is a killer for teams like Washington that are not top 10, top 12, top 15 teams in terms of the connection with the fans and the boosters. You just don't feel like you know anybody anymore. You feel like like five or seven names, all of them change every single year. And unless they're great and they run off 12 in a row and get in the top 15, it's tough to connect with the fans. Not to say that these guys aren't good players, but what what do you say about that? What do you say about the Huskies this year? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's a fair um, a fair statement. I, I think there is a lot of movement, you know, in and out between each season, and and um, you know, NIL and the transfer portal are, are, are two real factors that have changed the the college sports landscape. Um, you know, you know. That being said, um, Washington has benefited uh, from bringing in a couple of guys via the portal uh, over the years and, and certainly this year. And I, I guess I, what I would say specifically to where they are right now, uh, you know, they had an unfortunate loss down at Oregon state where, you know, they were actually getting, getting blown out, but, but, but more importantly in that game, they lost, you know, their, their big fellow Frank kept to a, a knee injury that he's going to be out for the season. That to me, Mitch is, is, is the most crucial part to what remains in this season because Gonzaga, as good as Gonzaga is, and they are a solid team, they were the most vulnerable team I've seen in the last 10 years. And I think with Washington, if you have your full complement of players, Noah Williams, let's add him in, uh, and Frank Kepnon, I think that game is a much, much closer game. Uh, I'm not saying Washington wins. I think it's a much, much closer game. And I think Washington, with a full complement of players throughout this season, would be in a in a very very different spot to contend and beat the higher tier the upper echelon of the Pac-12. That's not to say that they still can't with the with the roster that they have. It's just going to be their margin for error is is much more slim and it's going to be an uphill climb. Is Noah Williams coming back? Yes, he's got probably you know I, I had not heard from the medical staff or Coach Hop, but I would say you know, probably another week to 10 days, maybe two weeks, um, you know, to get, to get back and get in shape and, and all that, but he'll, he'll certainly be, he'll be ready to go for the, the remainder of the PAC 12 season for sure. And hopefully, you know, he's there for, for Auburn. That would be a, a boost to, to have him back for Auburn as well. So we'll, we'll see where he's at this week and, and coming into next week. What also didn't help on Friday against Gonzaga is Washington's best player. Keon Brooks was in foul trouble in the first half and in the second half and didn't play his full complement of minutes. Talk about him transfer from Kentucky, really nice player. I, I almost feel like, yeah. I almost feel like watching him that if he had a, a bonafide three point shot, that he'd be a pro that he'd be an NBA player. Yeah. He's, he's certainly um, athletically. He's got all the physical tools that you look at from his size. He's super bouncy. You know, if he, if he shot a better from three, that would, that would change his game. But what I talked about a minute ago with with Frank Kepnong being out, um, that really puts Braxton Mia, the other seven foot freshman transfer from, not freshman, but the transfer from from Fresno State, yes. puts him, um, you know, in the crux of the front court. And then it brought Jackson Grant, who was playing to red shirt. It brought him out of a red shirt to be the the backup, you know, center. When both of those two guys got into foul trouble, it put Keon Brooks 
you know, in the middle of the zone and having to guard Drew Timmy and some of the other bigs for Gonzaga. And then he got into foul trouble. So that's why I say not having Frank, another body with five fouls in there puts Keon Brooks in a, in a different situation where he's really trying to play the three, maybe the four instead of the five. Uh, so everything changes for him. Um, but you know, he's still a guy that can go out there and get you 16, 18, 20 points a game. Um, and he's, he's certainly got to play, play well for Washington to win. Who's older, you or Jamal Bay? <laughs> uh, it's close. <laughs> come on now. How long? Jamal's had he, a, come on, he's been there about 12 years now. How long? that? It's unbelievable how many years. Does he have any uh, eligibility left beyond this year? Or is he well, done? <laughs> he's got a post, post, postgraduate degree. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, he's, yeah, he, Jamal's been there for, for for a while, it seems like he's like one of those guys, like Christian Leitner, and yeah. back in the day, where you go, how long has he been at Duke? Yeah. But um, you know, Jamal's a, a piece that they need. They need him to be aggressive. I know the fans sometimes they they want him to be more, um, you know. But Jamal's just got to play his game because if he starts to to deviate, then he he struggles. But when he's confident and when he's explosive, he can make plays. At the end of the day, is there anyone outside of UCLA and Arizona that's any good? In this conference, what's the upside for this edition? I, I think there's there's probably three or four other teams that have a chance to to build and grow and and be um, you know in the mix for a NCAA tournament. But those are the those two are the cream of the crop. I mean, uh, I don't know if you you happen to see, but Arizona had a, a nice win against Indiana, yeah. um, you know, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, they look to be like the team that's going to be hard to beat, even though UCLA came in with, with, with final four aspirations. Uh, I think they're a little raw, but I think they're, they're a team that's going to continue to get better as the season goes on, but it's really UCLA and, and Arizona as the cream of the crop. And then, you know, it's going to be everybody else. And that's where I think for Washington, if they can get a stride and find their way, um, there's no reason that they can't push themselves down from a projected ninth you know, down to that four or five spot and have a chance if, if everything, you know, aligns. All right, the interview's over, and I want you to try to predict what I'm going to say was my favorite line, my favorite part of the last 23 minutes with Jason Hamilton. You said something that stood out to me that was my favorite part of the whole interview. Do you know what that was? Oh, geez. I have no idea. You said that this was the most vulnerable Gonzaga team that you've seen in the last <laughs> 10 years. And yes. that, that made me smile. Is this going to be the year that Gonzaga haters like Mitch Levy can have a stress-free march and not have to worry about the weasel being in the final four? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Fear not, Mitch. There'll be no Gonzaga sightings deep in the NCAA tournament. Are you promising me that? I, I'm not promising you that, but what I, what I will say is I would be stunned if they get past the second weekend. Uh, uh, that would be, that would be a shocker to me. I mean, you know, it depends on the matchups. It depends on, you know, who, who wins before them and what the path looks like. But I, I definitely don't think they're a final four team. I think I thought that they had that capability before the year after seeing them up close. They're very, very good. Don't get me wrong. And, and for the Gonzaga people out there that, you know, that follow them closely, um, if they're honest, I would I would think that they would say this isn't as good a team as they've seen in the last three, four, five, six, seven years. But 
you know how the NCAA tournament is, who falls in front of you, what's that path look like? But I, I wouldn't suspect that they're, they're a team that, uh, that gets out of the Sweet 16 for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, there he is, Jason D. Hamilton, my best to Michelle and the clan. Thanks for doing this. Let's be in touch. Thanks very much. Thank you, Mitch. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guess who's joining us? Well, typically, I would call him Jordan Flowers, J-Flow of the Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage, but that's no longer correct, right, Jordan? That's right. We've officially moved and are in our new office space here in Woodenville, Washington, downtown, oh, right boy. next to our great partners at Zeke's Pizza. You got to go there three times a week for lunch. Now, how am I going to get used to saying the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. How many times am I going to make that mistake? And how many times <laughs> am I going to hear from you? Mitch, you keep calling us the Kirkland office. I've got the over underline at plus or minus 10, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Interest rates have been a, a topic of conversation around the country, around the world. Kind of like butterflies these days. What are you seeing? Yeah, we, we've made it through this year's highs. We've been seeing rates coming down over the last month and a half. Uh, we are sitting still at elevated levels, but they are down a solid half to three quarters percent interest, getting back into the sixes. And with all of our buyers, we are working with them to get them into the three, four, five percent range right now. Speak to us specifically. How do you guys do that at Cross Country Mortgage? Yeah, it's a, it's a program that's come back into the market really. It's a temporary buy down option where we're working with the sellers, getting them the sales price that they've been coming on at and getting credits for our buyers to help temporarily buy that rate down for the first year, second year, third year to get that payment down until they're ready to refinance into a long-term 30-year fix at that no rate. And before we finish up, I got to say thank you from all of our listeners. I think everybody knows by now that Jordan Flowers of Cross Country Mortgage gave away, I think close to 100, maybe a little less, tickets to Mitch Unfiltered fans for the stretch run of the Seattle Mariners season. That was incredibly kind of you, and it was great to get some unfiltered listeners who wouldn't ordinarily be at the last homestand to be there with you and Cross Country Mortgage. Mitch, that was so fun to do and partner with you on. And you're texting me like, email these people tickets, do this. Why haven't you emailed these people yet? It was like, it was just chaos. It was a frenzy. It was so fun to be a part of with that. So thank you for everybody for participating in that. And next year, we'll do more and they'll go further. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Jordan Flowers now of the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. Reach him directly. 425-890-2957. What a great partner. What a great sponsor for years now of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. The cost of making a trade to move up that far for quarterbacks who aren't a sure thing, like that's a dangerous road to go down. So I, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays. And this is not a year where the free agent class looks particularly good. You know, is Tom Brady good anymore? And where does he, where would he go? Like there's only two or three places he would go. Do they want him back? You know, Garoppolo and Geno Smith are probably the best guys. Episode 218, 2-1-8. Look who's back on Mitch Unfiltered. If it ain't NFL Insider, Washington Post writer, CBS Sportsline, you name it, 105.7, the fan, talk show host in Baltimore, and our old friend, Jason Lockenfora. How are you, buddy? Doing well. 218, you're keeping busy. 
Well, 218, and that's just the normal ones. That's just this one. Yeah. Or is that like this? This is the main one, or this is the side one? This is the main one. You're on the. You better be good today because this is the main one, man. Oh, you got to be okay. really at the top of your game, buddy. I'm telling okay. you right now. I will take that into consideration. What have Sundays been like for you without the CBS NFL Today show this year? What's it been like? Um, you know, they're still they're still pretty hectic. It's all from the house, um, so it's not from New York, and I'm not scrambling to you know, make trains and check in with editor, uh, you know, producers and all that stuff. But yeah, you know, trying to keep track of everything that's going on. And, and, um, the live betting thing is really interesting. Like, you know, usually during the one o'clock window when there's seven or eight games going on, as soon as they start getting close to the half, I go on uh sports line, you know, and we kind of start telling you what we would wager in each of these games in the second half. So that's been, um, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's cool being home on Saturdays. You know, it's great. I hadn't really been able to, you know, this half of the year, I hadn't been home on the weekends for a long, for a long time, probably 15 years. So, no, it, I, uh, I am enjoying it. Thank you. So let's dive right into it. We've got the Giants. We've got the Commanders. Mm-hmm. We've got the Seahawks. We've got the Lions. By my count, it's those four teams for two wild card spots. The Cowboys will be one of the wild card spots if they don't win the East. And then there's two more up for grabs for those four teams. Pick the two teams of those four that are going to make it. Well, I think Washington's going to make it. Uh, they've got a legitimate defense. And, you know, they they played just well enough with Heineke to win. And they've, they've been proving a lot of people wrong here for really, I feel like, two months. And I don't think it's a fluke or an aberration or anything like that. All right. So I think they get in. And I think the Lions have some special sauce going on now. That offensive coordinator, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know who the hell Ben Johnson was in August. Now, he's gonna, I think he's got a real shot to get a head coaching job. I don't know how many of them are going to open up. But what he's doing, the multiplicity of that offense, how many different people get involved, the way they brought that offensive line along, what he's meant for Jared Goff, it's pretty special, man. That offense is something to marvel at. And the defense now, all of a sudden, is no longer an abject failure. I know if you look at the, the season-long numbers, they're still 32 and 31 in a lot of things. But it's improved uh, dramatically the last month or so. They can stop the run a little bit now. They still have their issues against the pass. But, I mean, we're talking about a rebuilding team. They're on a hot streak. Um, there's a lot of self-belief there. They might be, you know, they seem to be getting healthier as we go along. At least their injury luck recently has been pretty legitimate. Um, and now they've got the Jamison Williams kid in there as well. So I'm intrigued by them, man. I, I'm intrigued by them. They're accustomed to winning weird high scoring games. You know, when some of these game flows go crazy in the fourth quarter, there's like a been there, done that mentality from them. It, it really is manifesting itself now in the fourth quarters of these games. And the, what, you know, I, I don't buy everything Dan Campbell's selling, but those guys certainly seem to be. And some of his fourth down calls, some of his, you know, what they do on third and fourth down, it's working. Um, Are you picking them? I, I mean, I, I haven't, like, studied everybody's well, well, schedule. Well, I did well, not prepare. Well, I did not prepare well, for this assignment. You. So it's let not me. like I'm sitting here with the remaining <laughs> schedules in front of me. Let me help you. But, let me help you. We know that the Giants and Commanders have tied. Yes. So there's yes. not going to be a tiebreaker between the Giants, Commanders, Seahawks, and Lions. And they play again next week. They play again next week. For the Lions to get in to one of those wild card spots. They've got to come from six and seven, and mm-hmm. they, and they can't finish in a tie with the Seahawks, who are one game ahead of them right now because the Seahawks beat them 
in right. Detroit Run early. That crazy game. So yeah. so the Lions would have to from six and seven, they'd have to beat the Seahawks by a game, and they'd also have to beat out, as you would say, the Giants. You think the Commanders are better than the Giants, so they'd have to beat out yes. the Giants by a half game, and they'd have to beat out the Seahawks by a full game with four games to play. A steep mountain to climb. That's all I'm saying. Well, who do we think the Seahawks are beating? I know they play Thursday night against the 49ers. That looks like a tough ask. They have to play the 49ers on Thursday night at home. Then they got to play the Chiefs on the road. Nobody thinks they're winning mm. that game. Nope. And they've got the Jets at home and the Rams at home. Now, let's say, let's say they're able to squeeze out two out of the four. Let's just say they're able to squeeze out two out of the four. That would get them to nine and eight, which would force the Lions to, to win finish, 10. Which means they'd have to win out. They'd have to win every game right. the remainder. They'd have to go out on like a six or seven game winning streak to get into right. the playoffs, right? But what if the Seahawks only win one game? Ah! Ah! That's a, that's a very... And what if it's the Rams game and it turns out to be hollow? Do you love the 49ers now without Debo? And with, uh, I mean, are, are you convinced that Brock Purdy's going to be able look, to do it on the road? Are you going to be able to do it on I the road? Don't, I don't know. I mean, that was pretty special today. I, I, I got to tell you. And I was not a Brock Purdy truther. I was like, let's see how he handles a full week of the weight of expectations of being the starting quarterback for a team in Super Bowl or bus mode and not the scout team quarterback for a team in Super Bowl or bus mode. But he, I mean, he was making big boy throws. I mean, they clearly have belief in him. That first half was pretty impeccable, and then they didn't even need him in the second half. It was such a blowout. I mean, I don't know that he's going to play that way every week. And, and you know, Tampa, I think, um, has some significant issues going on in their locker room. And, you know, I don't think the players and coordinators are on the same page. Like, there's there's some issues there. That San Francisco defense is absolutely positively no joke. It's the best defense in football. So this kid doesn't have to be super special. I, I Yeah, I mean, I... Debo's a big, big loss. We'll see the extent of that. But they're still going to win a bunch of football games. Okay. So tell me about the NFC. We all know about the Eagles. We all thought the Cowboys were a team to be reckoned with. And then they went out on Sunday and they struggled against the Texans to win that game. I don't know if that matters to anybody or not. They still won the game. So you've got the Niners. you got a Vikings team. I don't know what to think of the Vikings. The Niners, the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Eagles. Is it the Eagles by default in the NFC ultimately, or do you really think the 49ers are good enough, well coached enough to go on the road in the playoffs? I mean, that would be tough. Game in yeah. I mean, that'd be tough for this kid to go to Philadelphia in a championship game and win it. Yeah, look, I don't think Minnesota is, is for real. You know, I mean, they're, they're scoring differential. There's a lot of things you'd look at there and say their pass defense, um, how erratic their pass rush is. Yeah you'd say that team is, is a 500 team, you know what I mean? Or, or in the hunt, not running away with the division. So no, I don't buy them. I never really buy the Cowboys. You know, you kind of know that about, I got to see them beat somebody good in the playoffs before I think they're truly a team that can win a Super Bowl. I, I just, I, I think that that's a team, you know, that is kind of a front running team. And when it's going well, it's going really well. And then when they hit a little bit of adversity, I think their flaws really come to light. So yeah, I have my reservations about them. I think the Lions are probably the third or fourth best team in the AA, in the <laughs> NFC right now. You know what I mean? It's just that 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 wow. you know all the all the ways so, they found to lose games early right. may keep them from even getting in the dance. But like, if I had to do NFL power rankings right now, and like in the NFC, 
I mean, I don't. They're 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 not any lower than four, and they might be three. But it's hard not to pick the Eagles to come out of the NFC if you had to pick one team. Yeah, yeah, I pick the Eagles because I think they can beat you in so many different ways. You know, I don't think you have to come up with limited sort of game scripts or templates to where you'd say, oh yeah, they could win that. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, they yeah. can take care of business. Yeah, like yeah. they. They can win. They can win ten nine. They can win thirty five thirty four. They can win by throwing for four hundred yards on you. They could win by rushing for two hundred and twenty five yards on you. Um, they're really good in the trenches. The GM's on a bit of a heater right now, and it seems like everything he's done the last eighteen months has come up gold. It's a really good roster. It's a really deep roster, and that's another team where. Boy, the injury, the football injury gods seem to be smiling upon them. So if they, you know, can stay this stacked in the offensive line and defensive line, uh, that's a formidable, that's a formidable unit. I mean, that's a formidable 53-man roster. Let me ask you a toughie, Jason. What are you doing with Geno if you're the Seahawks at the end of the year? You've got, you're going to have a top five, top three pick from the Broncos. You might be able to get one of those young quarterbacks if everything falls right. Or you can go out and franchise him. You can give him three years, $100 million, extend him. You can tag and trade him. I, I talked to some agents and executives about this a couple of weeks back at the Washington Post, and they all felt like unless this thing totally fell apart. And Sunday wasn't great. It, it certainly wasn't up to his standards this year. And the, you know, the turnovers are something you have to monitor. But if it doesn't fall apart, I think he's back there. Whether they use that first pick on a quarterback or not, I, I, none of these kids are coming in and doing what Andrew Luck did. You know what I mean? Or what you know Herbert did. No one's coming in looking like a savior week one. I, I just I've talked to too many people who watched them who aren't buying that any of them change your fortunes year one. They all are still raw. They all have things they need to work on, and we know how old Pete Carroll is. So. I think there will be a strong case to be made to keep Gino around what that contract looks like, how creative it is. I don't think it would have more than two real years to it, but it could be five years for, you know, purposes of the cap and voidable years and, and opt outs and stuff like that. Um, but it's not like there's, it's not a good quarterback class. I mean, he and Garoppolo were the two biggest, you know, I mean, unless Brady, I guess you could put in there, but I think Brady may just retire and Brady's going to be real selective where he goes. Anyway, there'd only be two or three teams he'd consider. So for all intents and purposes, you were looking at Garoppolo before he got hurt and Gino as probably the top guys available. And I didn't think either was going to leave their current situations, whether you want to look at the Tannehill contract as a template you know, I, I think it's probably around 30. That's just the going rate. If he finishes really strong, maybe it, it ticks up a notch. But I think with where they are, having that as something they don't have to worry about and Pete not having to worry about, I got to get this, you know, I got yes. whoever it is. Yes. I, I, yes. I, I got to get the kid from Ohio State yes. ready to go week one, or I got to get the kid from Alabama ready to go week one. I just don't think they want to find themselves in that scenario. And I also think, Gino, you know, at this stage, there's a lot for him to be said with as someone who's bounced around and been that much of a journeyman. There's no place like home. You said two things that kind of contradicted themselves, by the way, I want to ask you about. You said that you probably wouldn't do more than two real years. But then, yeah. you, but then you called Gino the best of the class of free agents. Who's to say that somebody won't offer him a better deal than two real years? out there 
in free agency? They might. I, I tend to. I tend to think they won't. Um, if somebody Nobody. blows him away with guaranteed money somewhere else, then he'll go there. But I don't know who. Like who is that team? Carolina. I don't think, dude. They're just come on. They, I, no way. They can't. I mean, they've they've just gone through like six of these guys. Like, no, no. They have to draft one. You know what I mean? The Colts can't do it. The Colts can't do it. The Colts have to get a kid. Like they've got to find a young quarterback who they can keep around there for a while. They they can't do the rental quarter. You know, rent the quarterback again. Houston's got to draft one. New, or- New Orleans. Like, maybe. I, I mean, maybe they got to draft one too. They don't have their first round pick. I, I mean, maybe go look at New Orleans cap situation though. I, I don't, I don't know that they're going to win any, um, you know, contract structuring races or any guaranteed money races like that. That team's at a big time crossroads. Same with Tampa. I don't think it's going to be a super robust market for Geno Smith. And as much as I say, these kids aren't ready and they're not two years ago, most of them weren't ready and five still went in the first 15 picks. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year, but at least four are going to end up going in the first round. And some of those teams with where they are in their development, it's going to make sense to start playing them sooner rather than later. So I think he ends up back there. I was thinking all along. Or or, or, or San Francisco, I mean, if this Brock Purdy kid, you know what I mean, falls apart or he gets hurt too or whatever, because I don't know that Trey Lance is ready for week one. You know what I mean? And uh, who, who knows? But I think those are the two teams who you could see needing these quarterbacks and they've got them. I I think they resign them. I have been thinking all along three years between 90 and a hundred done over five years so that you can keep the numbers Mm -hmm. down. That's what I was. I I, I said this a month ago or six weeks ago on this podcast, three years, 30 to 33 million a year. And then you do it over five years so that the cap hits are not prohibitive over the next couple of years. Yes. No, I think that's the range. Yep. Chiefs and I don't think you have to win a bidding war. I could be wrong, but I, I, I don't think you're going to have to. How's the Wilson thing going to end up in Denver? Oof. Well, he's not going anywhere. I mean, they're, <laughs> that, 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 they are wedded to each other uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't think they can bring the coach back. <laughs> I don't think they will bring the coach back. And it's going to be really interesting as that search goes around. Is Sean Payton interested in that reclamation project? You know what I mean? Like, who, what type of coaches gravitate to it, which, you know, what type of coaches stay at arm's length away. If the GM stays, the GM's really close to Dan Quinn. A lot of people thought Dan Quinn was going to get that job last year, but is Dan Quinn going there now? You know what I mean? Come with, with, with the whole Seattle background and knowing all that with the quarterback now potentially broken. Like, I, I, I don't know. It'll be an interesting sort of, um, an interesting experiment, but I don't think you can send out season ticket renewals trying to tell people that Nathaniel Hackett's still an NFL head coach. I, I just don't I don't think that's tenable. Jason, he played much better on Sunday before he got hurt. Yeah. Um, this is a stupid question. It comes from a stupid host, so I'll ask it. Do you think anything would have been different had he stayed here? Do you think he would have played well this year? There's obviously no way to know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much of this is newness, you know what I mean, and unfamiliarity and getting connected with a coach who's completely in over his head, you know, to the point where he's getting somebody out of retirement to tell him when to call timeouts and when to punt, you know, and when to go for it, like two weeks into the season. Um, It's a really naive staff, and it's not a staff that I think is particularly on the offensive side of the ball equipped to handle sort of the interpersonal dynamics, you know what I mean, and the Russ quirks 
that are a part of this. Like I, I and and you know they could try to sell it like, oh well, this guy worked with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this guy worked with Aaron Rodgers when he just had to stay out of the way. You know what I mean? The guy was winning MVP awards. Like there was no, there was not even a bump in the road. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they had some bad week one games. You know, they started slowly in week one. But, like, what the hell did Nathaniel Hackett really have to do for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, so I think the degree of um, difficulty that has come with every part of that offense is just a a tough ask. So, yeah, I I don't know how much of this is in Russ's mind. You know, I I don't know how much of it is physical. I don't know how much of it is – schematics. I don't know how much of it is just, you know, newness. I don't know how much of it is the fact that the offensive line got decimated by injuries. And today was the rare day where they had, you know, a couple of receivers who actually could run around and make plays on the field at the same time. Like there's been so much to it. It's, I just, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. New ownership in Denver has got to be really nervous. Well, you can't, again, the fans are telling you, like the fans are telling you, we don't believe in this product. And I, I don't know what, as your first time as an NFL owner and your first time trying to convince these people why they should buy in when they, they're used to going to the playoffs every year and now they haven't been right since Manning fell apart and they won a Super Bowl anyway. They're, they, they, like, they've been forced to watch so much bad offensive football that it's not even just about like – wins and losses. Now it's also about optics. Like we'll just go skiing. You know what I mean? We'll do like, you've got this rabid fan base, but they are not into, you know, losing 10, nine at Baltimore, you know, at Baltimore a week ago. Like, I just think it, they're, they're over that. And I don't know how you could look at Nathaniel Hackett and say, he'll fix it. And they have no where to turn with this quarterback. They've got to, they've got to go to the gate with him for several more years. They have no choice. Right, they can't. Yeah, they so can't I mean, I, I think, yeah, I think they have to put a staff together. Maybe it's some people who've worked with him before. You know, I think they've got to get creative in their approach. But it's clear that this is not a task for a first-time head coach. You know, the profile that they would look for for Russ for that offense, and then again for the getting the buy-in from you know the 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 public again. I think you got it. The guy's got to have some coaching chops. He's got to have some established coaching chops. He's got to have dealt with, you know, big time superstar quarterbacks before to some degree and had some success with them. Follow him on Sportsline. Follow him on HQ. Read him in the Washington Post and maybe even go online and listen live to 105.7 The Fan oh, wow. in Baltimore. How about that? That would be very daring. That would be very daring. I would appreciate it. Unfortunately, we don't get ratings when we're streamed out of market, but I'm, I will, I appreciate the downloads. Oh, you're the best. I love you. Let's talk. Let's talk in a few weeks. Let's do it again. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Hey, look who I found. It's Katie Versio, director of financial planning for Evergreen Golf Call, an incredible partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Katie, how's everyone doing over there at at Evergreen? We're doing very well, Mitch. How are you? Very well. I'll have you know, everyone knows by now, Mitch went three for three last time. I'm expecting that the streak is going to continue. Do we have a theme today? Yes. So theme today, we're doing an economic update. So I pulled some questions from our most recent podcast 
the Evergreen Exchange. Yep. It's a bi-weekly podcast that we put out. It discusses investing, the economy, and other financial planning topics. So for those who are interested in learning more, you can find the Evergreen Exchange anywhere you listen to podcasts. Which is also produced by our producer, Steve. So I'm ready for question number one, Katie. Go. Okay. So the Federal Reserve has been increasing interest rates in 2022 to slow down the economy and fight inflation. Has this year had the quickest increase in rates in 40 years? Is that true or false? Yeah, I think it's true. I think I read something about 40 years. I'll say true, Katie. That's right. The fastest tightening cycle this year. The second fastest was in 1995-1996. We find that the Fed really tends to overcorrect when they're during these tightening cycles, and that has pushed us into recessions historically. We're expecting them to increase rates two more times here in 2022, and so that's part of the reason why the markets are down so substantially, with stocks and bonds both down about 20%. And now I'm on a four-question streak. Let's make it five. Question number two, Katie. All right. Since 1950, there's been 14 Fed hiking cycles where they increase interest rates. How many of these 14 cycles have ended in a recession? Is it six, nine, 11, or 14? Would be a total guess. I can't believe it's 14, and I'm sure six is way too low. I'll go 11. I'll go C, Katie. That's right. You got that one right. Yes! Typically, what the Fed is trying to do when they increase interest rates is to have a soft landing to ease the economy, to slow it down, but not slow it down too much. And historically, they have not been very successful in doing so. Oh, my God. I'm five for my last five. Shall we quit now or do we go to a question three, Katie? (laughs) We'll see. This one's a tough one. Interest rates have increased dramatically this year, which has really shifted the income markets. So in October of 2021, a year ago, a two-year Treasury bond was yielding 0.5%. So today, what is that yield? Is it 2.5%, 3.5%, 4%, or 4.5%? Ooh, 3.5%? Stab in the dark? So you didn't quite get that one right. It's actually D, four and a half percent. I tried to trick you with that one by putting it on the end there. It's been a huge amount of income pickup over the last year from 0.5% to four and a half percent for these bonds. So we're finding a lot more opportunities in the income markets versus what we saw a year ago. So while we think there will be continued volatility in the stock market, we're finding a lot of more opportunities to increase income. For those that are interested in learning more about this, how we're positioning portfolio, I'd recommend listening to our most recent podcast and checking out our website at evergreengk.com. And of course, the Evergreen Exchange every other week from Evergreen Golf Call, a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered and everything wealth. Unfiltered. Darnold trying to cash in with a fake to Foreman. And a throw and a catch and a touchdown. Shai Smith with the first touchdown of his NFL career, and the Panthers have come out swinging. Smith, end zone, Metcalf, he's got it. 
What do you know? Lockett and Metcalf, each with a touchdown again. And the Seahawks are within a score. Arnold hands it off for Blackshear, and he breaks through Raheem Blackshear, the rookie with a key touchdown for Carolina. You know, the running game on offense, running game on defense were both really focused points for us. We've got to get this thing turned, and we're still on it. That's, those are our issues going in um, to the, the fourth quarter of the season right now coming up, and uh, it's going to turn around really fast against a really good club, and we got to get our act together. Hey, it's time for the Seahawks Note Table presented by Taco Time. Northwest, and I think we owe Taco Time Northwest an apology, Brady and Joe, because every time I mention to you that I love the Casita burrito with the Mexi fries inside, I forget to tell you that the Mexi fries aren't the Mexi fries anymore. They're not called Mexi fries any longer at Taco Time Northwest. So I don't know why Joe, Joe Fan from Winbed in Las Vegas, permits his buddy Mitch Levy to continually Make that mistake. This is breaking news to me. You didn't They've know that. They've been the Mexi fries my entire childhood. And They're lifetime. not. They're not the Mexi fries anymore. Are they just tater tots? They're tater fries. Okay. Taco Time Northwest <laughs> presents tater fries. The same deliciousness that we've always loved, just a different name. They're called tater fries. And I promise Taco Time Northwest, as a spokesperson, I will no longer make that mistake. Joe Fan in Vegas, Brady Anderson here in Seattle after a dismal 30 to 24 loss to the Carolina Panthers. I'll start with you, Brady. It's the question I always ask after losses. Why? What happened? What were the biggest reasons the Seahawks lost another game at home against an inferior opponent, or we think an inferior opponent, to put themselves in real bad shape for the playoffs? Their defense is bad. That's just the, I think that's the number one thing you have to say. And, you know, there's other reasons. Geno Smith didn't play his best game. Uh, they didn't have a running game to help him out. There's a, a couple tough calls that went against them, but more than anything, this defense is just bad. And, you know, I, I use the analogy about the, what, 15 handicapper. I think we got to, I think there's been a, a gin revision there and there, we got to call them like a 20 handicapper because they are, they cannot stop the run. It's four straight games that they've allowed at least 150 yards rushing. That's their most uh, in that long of a stretch since I think 1981, uh, according to ESPN stats and information. It was a lot of yeah, what 238 yards on the ground in this game, five, 223, 4.8 per carry. A lot of that was after first contact. And so this is an issue of the scheme not being right and the tackling being problematic. And that's just two things that, you know, we've seen a lot of this season and I think as bad as the results have been, what's equally bad is the timing. Like this is the part of their schedule where they should be making, Hey, uh, you know, they've played four straight games against teams that are under 500. And some of them were well under 500, including Carolina at four and eight entering this game. They've lost three of them and they struggled to put away the, you know, the fourth game against the Rams. Uh, and it's also awful timing because the 49ers are coming to town Thursday and that's, you know, a team, as we know, that has a great running game. So bad results, bad timing, bad defense. Joe, how do you explain? I keep asking the question. I'm not getting the answers that I want, so I'll just keep asking. If they're so miserable defensively, and they are, they were horrific the first three or four games. They have been horrific the last three or four games. But in the middle there was like a three or four game stretch where they were better than adequate. They were solid, solid against the run. I, I don't get it. How could a team? I mean, I understand one week here, one week there, an aberration of a week. 
But we were talking about it for three or four weeks, how good they were. Were we not? It was a full month stretch. And even Fluke? if you look at that Bucks game, Fluke? you know, you said, oh, I, I guess. I mean, it has to be. I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. I guess they shouldn't be able to be. The, they, it wasn't that they were pretty good. They were the best defense in the league for an entire month. And yes, it was two games against Arizona, the Chargers without Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and the New York Giants. All of those teams, you would say, have better offenses than the Carolina Panthers. And so it's really hard to it was hard to fathom the turnaround. And I had to eat a lot of crow because I came out swinging the first uh, five weeks of the season, especially after that Saints, you know, Lions Saints back to back. And yeah, I, I had very, in my opinion, fair questions of whether Pete Carroll was the right man to lead this team through a rebuild. And then the next month was so good four game winning streak. And at that point, I'm forced to say, I mean, if you're you, you can't just die on a hill, you know, if there isn't evidence to back it up and say, hey, you tip your cap because this team clearly figured it out and made the necessary changes. And now they've been lights out. And, you know, for that reason, I tried to excuse the Bucks game, you know, even though the running defense was really bad. OK, they only gave up 21 points. They're in Germany, all of that. But. These last three weeks have been absolutely horrific coming out of the bye. They've got, you know, the Raiders where they get torched by Josh Jacobs, give up 40 points, losing overtime. Uh, The Rams, we needed the last second touchdown, give up 23 points to John Wolford and company. Really, really bad. And then this game against Carolina. I mean, it was just an atrocious, atrocious performance defensively, really across the board. Gino wasn't good. The coaching wasn't good. The play calling was bizarre. The fact that Shane Waldron insisted on going back to the screen pass. Well, time and time again, even though they weren't working was confusing. Um, And then, you know, I mean, Pete Carroll had no pulse of the game management, you know, part of it where, you know, you waste two timeouts unnecessarily. Ridiculous. It was just a really bad day across the board. Really, in my opinion, embarrassing given the opportunity at hand and you're at home against an inferior opponent and you laid an egg. Brady death taxes, and the Seahawks will never be able to run a screen pass with any effectiveness. That's I've just I've just come to grips with the fact that in my lifetime, no matter who the coach, Mike Holmgren, Dennis Erickson, pick whoever the coach you want, the Seattle Seahawks will never be able to understand how to throw a proper screen pass. And by the way, while we talk about how bad they were defensively against the run, and they've been for the last four games. Should we also underscore it, Joe and Brady, with how bad they are a running team in those very same four games? I mean, it's impossible to win in the NFL if you can't stop the run and you can't run the ball in the same games. I went ahead and did the exercise. If you take if you take Geno Smith's scrambles, non-running plays, scrambles out of the Seahawks rushing yards, here are the numbers the last four games. On Sunday against Carolina... 26 yards against 223 yards. In the game against the Rams that they won, Rams 171, Seahawks 90. In the Raiders game that Joe talks about, Raiders 283 yards rushing, Seahawks 43 yards rushing. And in the Tampa game, where it all started, 161 for the Bucks rushing, take Geno's out, 17 yards, 17 yards. So not only have they been the world's worst run defense, Brady, they've been the world's worst run team as well. How do you win games doing that? Well, you need your quarterback to be lights out and Geno Smith wasn't. And I don't say that to put this on Geno Smith because that's really hard to do when you don't have a running game. And we've seen him 
at times play some really good football where they haven't had that, but you just can't expect a quarterback to do that week in and week out. And I'm looking at the numbers, uh, nine carries for 26 yards uh, for Travis Homer. I, I was a little surprised that they went with him as much as they did just because I've said this time and time again, like he is, I think he's better suited as a change of pace, you know, third down two minute type of guy more so than he is an early down guy. And look, they're, they're in a tough spot, right? They've got Tony Jones is their other healthy running back. Uh, he hadn't carried the ball for them until last week since he was, you know, claimed off waivers in October. So it's not like you have a good option with Ken Walker, the third and DJ Dallas both out, but they just couldn't get anything going. And when you, when you started talking about death taxes and I thought you were going to say death taxes and uh, Seattle wasting timeouts that they're oh. bound, bound to need later oh, in the game. God. And they did that. Now I, I, how about know, the, the punt? Come on, Joey, help me out. How, yeah. how about how about the fact that they punted the ball, not being able to stop the run, down two scores with one timeout to go, and he <laughs> threw. And he said, after they got it, by the way, they got a break. It looked like it was going to be a uh, interception. an interception. It turns out that you're going to get fourth and eight, and you take the ball out of the one guy's hands who, over the course of the year, not not on Sunday, but over the course of the year, has been your best player. And you punt the ball knowing you can't stop anybody and you're two scores down. How about also, is that a concession? I guess. Also, you know, calling a timeout to avoid the delay a game penalty when they're at their own two yard line. Now, it, it makes sense when you first think about it until you realize that a delay a game penalty, that's half the distance. That's one yard. One you're yard. calling a timeout to save one yard. One yard. Now, I, I didn't mind the challenge uh, because that was a, a circus looking play where, it, you know, the ball it might've touched the ground there and you're trying to make that judgment at, you know, before Carolina gets up to snap the ball. So you don't have the same replay that everybody sees when it's all slowed down and everything. I understand it. I don't understand just the general disregard for timeouts and give up the yard, save the timeout. You can't be expected to be taken seriously punting in that situation down to, I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. If you don't get it, the game's over. If you punt, the game is over yeah. and, you know, and, they sort of got almost got this fluky play with the, you know, them muffing the, you know, the punt return in that situation. But yeah, it, it was all really bad. I think what's funny is like, you see what the fan reaction is and there's such, everyone's just going through it because the perspectives of have shift so much this year and, you know, get the bell ready. I, I put it out on Twitter right after. I mean, it's, it, it's an embarrassing performance. Like I, I, it shouldn't be qualified as anything else. And people are coming back with, well, it's a rebuilding year. So you know, they, they've already, they were only expected to win five games and what had it's like, okay, well, yeah, but in this moment, when you've got the opportunity in the driver's seat of a playoff spot with the giants in a tailspin, um, they've got a, a brutal schedule down the stretch. You're at home uh, against a bad football team. And it's like, well, the Seahawks aren't even that much better than the Panthers. It's like, okay, well, I feel like everyone's just sort of now coping in different ways, but um, it is an, an important reminder where for a time it did look like the Seahawks were going to avoid like a, a, a mega rebuild. And these last three weeks have made it very apparent that there is a lot of work to be done. You know, I don't know who on that defense is any sort of centerpiece type player. Um, I mean, it's really bad. So it's, it's sort of interesting. It's like you're in this spot where you could, you could conceivably make the playoffs, but also there's so much work that needs to be done. And luckily for them, they're going to get a top five pick from Denver. Um, but it, yeah, it's, 
it was a shame to see. I, I thought they would come out with a little bit more. It, it was really ugly. They do need work, but I think that an impact defensive lineman, like a stud edge rusher or just a game wrecker of an interior guy would go such a long way for this defense because so much of what we're seeing from them is them just getting pushed back at the point of attack. And um, I mean, certainly they have other issues and there's other spots where, you know, they could stand to, to be upgraded there, but there's just so they, it's so clear that they need one of those guys. And if you're picking fifth overall, like you can get that guy and I'll give you a stat here. Uh, Panthers ran 39 times for 199 yards and two touchdowns between the tackles. Uh, 5.1 yards per carry. So this was them running the ball down Seattle's throat right at their defensive line. Um, You know, this was not like you don't have enough speed on defense or you don't have cornerbacks who can tackle. This was, I think, uh, a reflection of how badly they need to get stouter up front. And But the thing is, when you're picking fifth, fourth overall, like you can get a guy who can really change the fortunes of your defense. That's not all they need, but I think that's primarily what they need. Well, have you know that they'd be picking second overall if the season ended today, which is incredible. We'll see what Denver does the rest of the way. And it doesn't, and it's stupid to even talk yes, about. Yes, it is. Way to go, Joey. Fan, are they done? Stick a fork in them? Or are we still going to give them life? I mean, if you look at the playoff picture in the NFC, you see a couple things. You see the Lions getting hot. It may be too little too late for the Lions. They might have to get to 10 wins and win out. You see a Giants team that can't get out of its own way and has a killer schedule the remainder of the way. Uh, I suppose that two wins will do it. I don't know where you're going to get those two wins. Maybe the Rams and the Jets. I don't know if you're going to beat the 49ers on Thursday. You're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs the following week. Joe, would you put a fork in them today? I mean, is it done? Is it over? No. (laughs) Because of what you mentioned, you know, like who else? Someone has to get that seven seed. I don't know who it's going, you know, so it, because of that, you can't stick a fork in them, but man, that game on Thursday could be brutal, you know, unless it's just a, Oh, divisional games are weird. The Seahawks have had good luck against the Niners over the last decade, whatever. These two teams are not anywhere in the same stratosphere unequivocally the best defense in all of football bar none and an offense that doesn't look like it'll have Debo Samuel. Nope. But still has Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, and a rookie quarterback that has seemed fearless being thrown into the lineup, but hasn't made a road start. You know, I, I, I can't wait you. for the KP. I, we, we're, we're all, we haven't, no one's hit a green here. Oh, I guess no, you hit a green two weeks ago. No one hit the green on Sunday. With this game, because we all picked the Seahawks. I'm curious what the score predictions for us will be. Have in you that seen Niners a spread game. already on that game yet? Have you seen a line on that game from win bet three? in Las Did Vegas? Say three points. The 49ers favored by three. That doesn't sound like an unwinnable spread to me. Brady, are they done? Stick a fork. Three and a half on win bet. Stick a fork. I will. I'm going to put a lot of money on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think they're going to win on Thursday night, but if they find a way to win that game, then all of a sudden what's happened in the last two weeks sort of evened out, you know, because you lose a game you were supposed to win, then you win a game that you're supposed to lose. But that said, even if Debo Samuel doesn't play, this is going to be a hard game for them to win. Not impossible, but hard game. And I, I mentioned about, you know, how Carolina ran the ball down their throats. Like that's that's an issue of them just not being physical enough. And I realize that's, 
easy for me to say as I sit in the press box and, you know, drink root beer while watching the game. Like it's a lot easier to say that they need to be physical than to actually do it. How do you get more physical when it's mid-December, everybody's bodies are beat to hell and you've got to play four days later against a team that, you know, is going to run the ball right at you just like Carolina did. And so I don't think this game is unwinnable. I think it's going to be really hard considering that their run defense is falling flat on its face at the worst possible time. Do you really drink root beer in the press in the press box? I did on Sunday. Yeah, maybe that's the problem. Whose problem? My problem. Or Everybody's problem? problem. You're drinking root beer in the press box. What's wrong with that? I don't know. I don't. I don't picture you a root beer drinker. Can't you have a cola like the I've, rest of us? Or no? You know, I do. On every now and again, have a diet coke. But I had a uh, a root beer with some alcohol in it at a bar the other night, and it was incredible. And so I've rediscovered my taste for root beer. No alcohol in this one in the press box, just for the record. Just straight barks. <laughs> Unfortunately, you should have brought some. <laughs> we all needed Get yourself it. to that monstrosity. We all, we all needed it. Okay, uh, let's get to the who was doing the work, some work part of the show presented by Taco Time Northwest. This is going to be fun, guys. Finding somebody who was doing some work, either in the game between the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks or somewhere else in the sports world or non-sports world. Let's begin with you, Joe Fan. Joe Fan, win bet in Las Vegas. You get the pick of the litter. How do you feel about that? Anybody you want. The world is your oyster. I'm going to go Frankie Louvu, Washington State uh, alum, who was an absolute terror uh, on that Panthers defense on Sunday against the Seahawks. He had a sack. He had two quarterback hits. Uh, He had two tackles for loss. Um, He was everywhere around the football in the line of scrimmage. Um, He was arguably the best player on the field uh, on either side all day long. Um, And so I would say uh, Frankie Louvu was was certainly to the chagrin of Seahawks fans watching uh, was doing a whole lot of work on Sunday at Lumen Field. Brady, I'll go Tyler Lockett. And I was really hoping that Joe was not going to pick Tyler Lockett because I can't think of anybody else on the Seahawks who was doing work in this game. But Tyler Lockett was uh, five catches for 60 yards, including the brilliant toe tapping touchdown, which anybody else makes that play and your jaw almost drops because it's so remarkable. But when it's Tyler Lockett, you just expect him to do it. And it's like, you know, that was bang, bang was there's probably wasn't more than an inch or two between uh, his toes and the sideline. But you just know that because it was Tyler Lockett, you know, immediately when you see it, that he got his feet in just because he's so good at that. Uh, That was his sixth straight game with a touchdown catch, which uh, is a new Seahawks record. So uh, in this game and over the last month and a half or so, uh, Tyler Lockett has been doing some big time work. He's been doing some big time work. And you could also mention Daryl Taylor made a couple Good. of big plays early in the game when given the opportunity. I did notice a lot. He was not on the field in the second half. They they opted for a different lineup without number 52. He made some more plays, which means he's made plays in about three or four consecutive games during this downward turn for the Seahawks. I'm going to go off the board, and instead of doing some work, an MVP type of guy, I'm going to change it up a little bit because Brady brought to my attention before we started to record that uh, Mississippi State coach Mike Leach has been hospitalized, and there are reports out there, don't know whether they're true or not, that it's quite serious. And if those reports are true, I don't know one way or the other. He's a guy that we've all laughed with, a guy that we all have laughed at. Some of us have not liked him very much, but at this stage of the game, to hear that he's uh, 
in some pretty serious condition in a hospital. I uh, I send my best out to the Leach family and hope for a full recovery for the former Washington State Cougar coach, the former Texas Tech coach, and the current Mississippi State coach. And I'll do my who's doing some work and hope that Mike Leach gets better sometime soon. Brady, before we end, Ken Walker, yay or nay on Thursday night? What's your best guess? I I don't have a best guess. Now it, it did not seem like he was like close to playing in this game. I'm just that was me kind of reading between the lines of what Pete Carroll said. Uh, maybe if he had gotten on the practice field one day last week, then I, I would feel differently. It's just I think it's hard. It sounds like it doesn't sound like it's you know a season-ending injury, but it's was serious enough to keep him out of this game. And again, it's a it's a quick turnaround to Thursday night, so uh, it seems very much up in the air. And I think you could say the same thing about DJ Dallas's status as well. By the way, they got a little spark plug out of the new running back on special teams returns a couple yeah. of times. So you might want to say, I don't know, I don't know how you even say is it. Who? What's his name? Godwin Ebuike. And where did he come from? He came from. Well, they called him up from their practice squad. He was with Detroit earlier. He uh, had got some screen time on Hard Knocks this past summer. Okay. Uh, Detroit waved him, and he I ended th- up on. Sales I think it's Igwide. I think it's Iguabuke. Yeah, that sounds right. So I knew I knew I was probably <laughs> screwing that up. I was going to hope to say but it was conviction and did. hope it just went over. <laughs> Jaguar. Anyway, that's it. That's it for the uh, the no table. A second consecutive home loss. And now the Seahawks wild card hopes are uh, drifting away. Joe Fan, win bet in Las Vegas. Thank you, Joey. Thanks, guys. And Brady Henderson in Seattle. We'll talk to you in the wake of the game on Thursday night against the 49ers. Okay, sounds good. See ya. You know, there's nothing quite like the holiday season at Daniel's Broiler, and here's my friend, CEO Lindsey Schwartz, and if you can take your mind off of USC football for just a half second, can you tell us how everything's going? You bet, Mitch. I'll take my mind off it for a couple of minutes for you. <laughs> we love the holidays. You know we love the holidays. I, it feels like Daniels was just built for the holidays. I know you've celebrated Thanksgiving yep. at Daniels with the family. It just kind of kicks off on Thanksgiving and rolls all the way through to New Year's Eve. All four restaurants are going to be really busy. We already are pretty well booked up. You know, it's fun in the bars. It's fun in the dining rooms. It's fun in the private dining rooms. It's, uh, it's going to be a great month at all four restaurants. The Huskies are good. The Seahawks are good. Football is good. And the best bus boy at the Bellevue location, Max Levy, came home the other night and said, you're not going to believe this. They finally put TVs at Daniel's Bellevue. Now, how is it possible for 35 years I haven't been able to watch a football game in the bar area at Daniel's Bellevue? Is that possible? Is that true? I mean, as ridiculous as it, as it sounds to hear you say it, it's partially true. You've been able to watch in Prime 21, which is kind of the back bar there. It's always had a couple of TVs. There have not been TVs in the main bar until we just completed this remodel and put them in. And, and I know that sounds bizarre, but the reason is, as you know, we've got the piano there. We've got the great piano bar. We've got Jim Washburn, who's been with us over 30 years. He's the star of the show, and he's the reason people... Hold on. come to the bar so we didn't want to have anything competing hold on a second what nights does jim washburn sing and play at daniel's bellevue 
So he used to, he actually, back in the day, he used to be there five nights a week, three or four nights a week now. But yeah, back in the day, he, he was he was almost always there. But I know what you're going to say. Do He's never not, played on Mondays. Okay, do you, and, not, do you not know that there actually is football on Mondays? You know what, Mitch? Better late than never is what I like to say. So uh, you got, now for the rest of your life, you can watch Monday Night Football at Daniels Bellevue. I, I want to know what the boss is ordering and what the boss's family is. In fact, I want to know how often you have dinner at one of the four lovely locations of Daniel's Broiler and what you're ordering these days. Well, I'm probably there once a week, not always for dinner, maybe yeah. sometimes for appetizer and, yeah. a, and a drink, you know, but I'm an eight ounce filet mignon guy. I have been for a long time. Piedmontese is, is one of the varieties that we do. And I like that one a lot. My wife loves the fresh salmon. My kids who are teenagers now still eat like they did when they were, <laughs> when they were little kids, they still get the, uh, they love the popcorn Oh, they love the steak strips. They'll get that for their entree. Why not the big boy for you? Why only eight ounces? Well, Mitch, I've been meaning to talk to you. You know, when guys get to be our age, may want to slow it down a little bit. But uh, but for the young people out there, yeah, I, I would go with the big boy. Ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay Schwartz, Daniel's Broiler, four tremendous locations, have been a supporter of mine for years and years, going back on the radio and now at the podcast. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Other Stuff segment, episode 218, Thief River Falls, Minnesota. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Hello. Yes, yes. Pulled from a sunken trunk in an 1857 shipwreck off the coast of North Carolina, work pants, also known as the oldest pair of jeans in the world, were just auctioned off. The oldest pair of known jeans in the world. It was like in a chest yeah. from 1857. Pretty cool. $114,000 somebody paid for these heavy-duty miner's pants with a five-button fly. That's amazing that somebody paid. Hey, you, know, you can't not gonna wear it. It's just having the oldest pair of jeans in the world somebody wanted to buy for $114,000. cash, please? Well, I'll I, take the cash over the jeans. Of course. Who wouldn't have you? Well, the guy who bought them is, is one guy who wouldn't do it. I guess there is one. And by the way, quick update on Madonna's VMA. Yes. Also known as the Moon Man Trophy. Yes, I saw this. Papa Don't Preach. Yes. $38,000 somebody paid for that for some reason. Tom Hanks screen-worn military uniform from Forrest Gump. $20,000. You could have had that hanging up in the Levy house. There you go. I have a flurry of baseball knowledge for you and a stump the band question. Let's go. Aaron Judge, nine years, $360 million with the Yankees. Is that good? How much did he turn down last year from the Yankees, and he bet on himself, as they like to say, for the final year of his contract? Do yeah, you remember? You, you told me that. I can't remember. Was it seven, 170 or? Seven years, $213 okay. million. He turned down 213 He signed for 360 How'd the bet on himself work out? <laughs> it worked out, turns out, yes. Xander Bogarts, a guy that a lot of us would have loved to see the Mariners go out and spend some free agent money on. 11 uh -huh. years, $280 million with the San Diego Padres. Uh -huh. Jerry DePoto is left to defend himself and the team and the organization because Mariner fans are pissed. Why are Mariners fans pissed? Well, because they want them to spend more money. Because Mariner fans think that what they told us for years was... When we get good, mm -hmm. we're going to spend money. Yeah. We're not going to spend money now. We're not good enough. But as we improve and our farm system improves and we start getting closer and closer, 
There'll come a day that we're going to spend lots of free agent dollars. That's what we think we were told. Something like that. Well, didn't they spend a lot of free agent dollars? 710 ESPN. Ever heard of it? No. Jerry DePoto, the general manager, defends the Mariners' inactivity okay. during the free agency by saying, quote, one of the things that really gets lost in the wash right now with some of what we've done with extensions for guys like J.P. Crawford and Julio Rodriguez and Luis Castillo with some of the escalating player costs that we anticipate with the coming arbitration mm -hmm. of guys like Logan Gilbert and George Kirby and Cal Raleigh. We are very aware of what our future payrolls look like because the decisions you make today, and this is more difficult for someone who's not looking more broadly to understand, don't just affect your 2023 payroll. It affects you for years to come. Mm -hmm. We went out and we extended Julio. Right. On what has a chance to become the biggest contract in the history of sports. We've not been tight with the dollar. We spent over a half a billion dollars in future expenditures. We just didn't sign this year's top free agents. And I don't think that that is reflective of a team that's unwilling to spend. We've actually already done that. He's come under fire. Let's put it that okay. way. For the ownership's decision not to go out and spend on one of these big-time free agent shortstops. There were four of them. They did go out and spend money on the Cy Young winner. Robbie Ray. Well, that was last year. Fine, yes. but that's spending money. Yes, they did. Castillo was a nice surprise. I didn't think anyone saw that coming. Yes. That was a couple dollars, right? Yes. So they are making moves. They're not just sitting there hoping they win it with Jared Kelnick. I mean, I don't know. For me, I, th I think they're spending money. And by the way, people love to go, oh, if we only had this free agent. That. How many times in sports have you seen a big name free agent get signed and then just lay an egg? Just not even close to the person they were with their former team. So guarantees that if you go get this guy, this guy, and this guy, that they're going to hit their their baseball card numbers, True. as they say. True, but you have a better chance to be better if you spend. The truth of the matter is that the Mariners' payroll is going to be about $135 million this coming year. Okay. The Mets' payroll is going to be between $300 and $400 million this year. Now, you'd say, well, the Mets are in New York. Well, they're one of two teams in New York. And right. The Dodgers are in L.A., and the Seattle Mariners are in a mid-market of 15th, the 16th, the 17th. And he would say, hey, based on our market size, we've gone ahead and we've increased our payroll whatsoever. You know, you can look at it, just depends on what side you're on. You yeah. can you can build a great argument on either side. What the frustrated Mariners fan might say is, hold on a second, what were your revenues last year? Yeah. Well, in 2022, it's going to come in at about 350 or 355 million, okay. I believe. In 2023, the year we're talking about next year, they're probably going to have revenues close to $400 million when you include all the money that comes in, merchandise, revenue sharing, TV, radio, all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the question I would ask, would you expect your franchise, who's bringing in $400 million through the door, to maybe spend more than 135 on payroll of the team when you're this close, when you're getting closer to the Houston Astros and you're getting closer to winning a world championship. Who's to say that if they didn't turn 135 into 200 when they're making 350 to 400, if they turned 135 into 200 and they brought in one of these mega shortstops, maybe that's what puts them over the edge.
over the hump. Yeah. And they become world champions. That would be the argument, yes. That would be the argument. I mean, does it really pay off for teams? I know you don't have all the numbers right in front of you, but just kind of thinking back about who wins World Series. No, it doesn't always pay off, but is that a reason not to do it? Is that a reason to say, okay, we should stay at 135 instead of go to two? Because Hotshot Scott has convinced us <laughs> by going from 135 to 200, yeah. it doesn't guarantee us a World Series ring. So why should we do it? Let's not do it. Let's stay at 135, bring 400 through the doors in 2023. Mm-hmm. We have a $2 billion valued franchise on our hands. Let's just stay with where we are. My point is, if you say going from 135 to 200 Mm -hmm. doesn't guarantee you anything, I would say, you know what? Then why not go from 135 back down to 80 since going from 80 to 135 doesn't guarantee you anything either. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm kind of playing the middle here because I can see both sides of the argument. Okay. What I'm saying is there's just no question that the Seattle Mariners as is with an added shortstop, one of these four, and you can pick either any one of the four. There's no question that if you replace J.P. Crawford Mm -hmm. with Trey Turner or Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, or the guy from Atlanta – they would be a much better team with one of those guys playing shortstop and hitting in the middle of your lineup than they are without him. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Is that enough to win a world championship? Who knows? Right. Without him, will they win a, a division or a wild card spot and go to the playoffs? Sure, they could. They already did it. Right. They just did it. They won so, a playoff series. I'm just telling you, with the addition of one of those four guys, they would have had a superior set of chances to go deeper than without him. So the question is, why don't you do it? Is it worth it to go from 135 to 170 when you're bringing in 350 or 400 million to have an aircraft carrier shortstop in the middle of your lineup with that pitching staff? Right now, your shortstop's batting ninth. There's an easy answer to that for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And it starts with a Y and ends with a yes. <laughs> Is that what it does? Yes, it okay. starts with a Y and ends with a yes. Which brings me to the stump the band question. Okay. Name the three highest paid major league baseball players of all time okay. in career earnings. Oh, in career as earnings. We, as we sit here today, what three baseball players have earned the most career dollars as we sit here so, today? Just straight salary, forget endorsements and all that. Just no straight endorsements, salary. straight baseball Paychecks. Is Trout up there? He's not. Huh. He's not one of the top three as of today. He will be as he continues to earn more and more money. Are any of them active or do you have to go retired? One is active, one just retired, and one retired a few years ago. Harper? Alex Rodriguez, $455.2 million. Pujols. Albert Pujols, $341.8 million. He's third. And second on the list is the active Miguel Cabrera. Oh, yeah. $353.2 million. The reason I ask you that stump the band question is there's going to be a new person that goes up to second on that list two years from right now. Okay. Justin Verlander, a pitcher. A pitcher who literally goes out and plays once every five days. <laughs> and plays, plays horseshit baseball, too, in the playoffs, right? Wow. We killed him. And then whoever they played next killed him. I mean, yeah. 39-year-old oh. Justin Verlander agrees to a deal with the Mets that will pay him $86 million 
over the next two seasons. And once he earns that $86 million hot shot, he will have earned $387 million. Three, only behind Alex Rodriguez. And he goes home to Kate Upton Justin as well. Justin Verlander. It's good to be Justin Verlander, isn't it? Can we rattle through some more? I've got a Let's bunch go. of them in you. You go first, but do them quick, and I'll, we'll go back and forth. Tennis. Bobby match. Wagner's off yeah. the hook. His miserable 2022 season just got a little bit better. He won't face criminal charges for tackling that field invader oh, earlier geez. this year. Remember he tackled that guy that ran <laughs> yeah. on the field? He said he was injured, had a concussion, the whole thing. Well, judge said he led it. with the crown of his helmet. That's right. Yeah, that's that's what the judge said. So, yeah, Bobby Wagner's off the hook. Uh, your buddy Floyd Mayweather just bought a new 2000. 2000- You're supposed to do one, and we're supposed to go back Oh, I think forth. he said rattle off some. Let's just go back and Okay, forth. hit it. Mitch Hanniger says goodbye. Three years. With the Giants, $43.5 yeah. Are you sad to see Mitch Haniger go? I'm not really, though. I feel like he just couldn't stay healthy. Like, right. It was kind of annoying. But a, Really? It was kind of annoying that he couldn't but stay healthy. a likable Mariner. Of course right? he's likable, but oh, it'd be nice to likeable. see him play the game of baseball at some point. People were calling him Mitchie the Kid, which annoyed me a little bit. Oh, yeah. He was my favorite Mitch of all time, of course. Okay. Go ahead. Now. Floyd Mayweather just bought a new car. I don't know why. A 2022 Porsche 911 Turbo S, also known as the care? Ferrari Killer. What do you think he paid for that 2022 Porsche? <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, he's a maniac. Floyd Mayweather <laughs> is the type of guy who would insist on paying more for it. Well, they're harder to get cars these days, so of course, yeah. Because the rest of us, we would want to pay less. Oh, yeah, no, not but him. Floyd Mayweather would want to pay yeah. double what it is because he would like to tell everybody that he paid $3 million for it. No. What does a car cost that goes 640 horsepower and goes over no 200 idea. miles an hour? I don't know. Yeah, $330,000 for a car. It's a, just a Porsche 911 Turbo. Oh, oh so what do you... you $330,000 for a... By the way, he, he's in LA. He said he needed a car to get around town in. So he went ahead and bought this for <laughs> three hundred and thirty grand. There you go. Not a bad grocery go-getter. Do you know who Tyson Fury is? Of course. He has spoken. And he has confessed that there was some talk... It lasted not a long time. Okay. Briefly about a match with none other than Mike Tyson, an exhibition fight. Oh, my gosh. The two were in discussions for a brief minute about getting into the ring. Tyson Fury against Mike Tyson. Fury was afraid to take the match because he said, I have nothing to win. Right. And everything to lose. Right. If I lose, I lost to an old man. Yep. If I win, I beat an old man. Right. Probably grew up idolizing him like we all, at least like I did. The discussion of the fight fell through the cracks when Mike Tyson's people told the promoter, would-be promoter, how much he wanted for such a fight. Oh, no. <laughs> so you asked me how much a Porsche 911 yeah. is. I ask you. Did how you much, overshoot it a bit there, Mike Tyson? How much did Mike Tyson want oh, gosh. to fight Tyson Fury in an exhibition match? Like recently or like? Yes. Yeah, I have no clue what he asked for. I know he had money problems. He probably way over. How much did he it. want? I don't know. Five, ten million. Well, I think he was offered ten. I think they both were offered ten million. Okay. He wanted five hundred million. <laughs> five hundred million. Really? Five hundred million? He wanted five hundred million. He would have got his head knocked in, Tyson. I love Mike Tyson. He's my favorite boxer of all time. But Tyson Fury's a young guy. He would have absolutely mopped the floor with poor Tyson. Maybe that's why he wanted such a high one. Because you see the terrifying scene ahead of the Atlanta Hawks game last Monday? Bob Rathbun? Oh, yeah. He, he passed out on the air, didn't Ooh, he? The team's play-by-play announcer suffered this frightening medical emergency on yeah, the air yes. and had to go to the hospital. He was previewing the Hawks game with Dominique Wilkins when he suddenly appeared to lose consciousness in his chair and he convulsed uncontrollably. The video is tough to watch. It's pretty I've scary. I've not seen the video. Yeah, I, heard I, the story. I don't recommend it. Yeah. Thankfully, the 68-year-old is now said to be doing better and is in stable condition. That was awful. <laughs> 
Who knew Dominic Wilkins, by the way, was on the broadcast team? I had no you idea. You could have guessed. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Quote, ultimately, prosecutors determine it is clear the evidence does not support the filing of criminal charges and there is no path to a potential criminal conviction. The district attorney's office said in a statement, prosecutors can only file charges when they ethically believe they can be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. All criminal charges have been dropped against... Hmm. I don't know. Former Bills punter, Matt Areza. Do you remember the story? Oh, yeah, I remember. That was before the season started. Wasn't he, he like one of the greatest punters who ever lived? They drafted... No, I mean, they, he was, though. He was like yeah. setting records. They drafted far. him, I, I believe, in the fifth round. Yeah. His first punt of the preseason was 86 <laughs> yards. I remember, yeah. And then he was alleged to have participated in some sort of a gang rape yeah. at San Diego State during his final year. Uh, with the San Diego State Aztecs program. Charges were explored. He got released, became obviously persona non grata yeah, in the NFL. Pariah, yeah. And uh, they have now been dropped. So there will be no criminal charges, and he is free now if you'd like to join an NFL team next year. And what did he get out of that? Other than a year of, or not a year, but six months of hell. Well... For, I mean, accusations that weren't true, right? I mean, they... We don't know that the accusations weren't true. What we know is the district attorney's office in San Diego yeah. did not find enough evidence that made <sighs> them comfortable with proceeding. That's all we know. So you got to be careful, but... Yeah. Yeah. Legally, he's free to live his life. Yes. Brittany Griner, finally home. Do we need to discuss this so people can tell me what a what a communist she is for kneeling for the debt national anthem? Of course anthem, we do. Do we need to discuss yeah. this? Yeah, sure. Touchdown on, on U.S. soil early Friday morning after officials successfully negotiated her release from Russian custody. Critics of the deal, however, maintain the U.S. got completely ripped off in the trade for Victor Bout. Now, Bout, whose arms-fueled conflicts from Sudan to Rwanda to Afghanistan to Angola and is nicknamed the Merchant of Death, and his illicit transaction with violent regimes and military groups earned him a 25-year sentence in federal prison. He seems nice. That's It was a one-for-one one trade. Yes, it was a one-for-one one trade. And people are pissed that Marine veteran Paul yes. Whelan, we, yes. who's still Should serving... Should have been two for one. Right, still serving a sentence in Russia on espionage charges, which I'm sure are bullshit, should have been included in the deal. Now, the White House did say they're still negotiating for, for Paul's release, it's like they're not just moving on and going to let him rot. We're not giving up. The president said we will never give up. He's been locked up on uh, in charges since 2018. I mean, Brittany was in for what, eight months or something? How about this guy's been four years? What a nightmare, man. So I, I look forward to him coming home as well. My favorite two viral videos of the week making the rounds through social media. Hot okay. Scott. Did you see the neon Dion Sanders video at a basketball game being introduced or being seen on Diamond Vision? Do you see that? Yes, let it be known that I said he'll be a massive success at Colorado. I did tell you that. He'll get enormously out of the blue, huge recruits, I'm guessing. And it looks like everyone there agrees with me, at least in that, in that he, basketball Did crowd. the Colorado fans seem excited to <laughs> yeah, see him at a just, Colorado Just basketball. a little bit, yes. But oh, I, my God. It was like a rock star. It was unbelievable. I love that he's like 56 and still wears glasses, wears sunglasses inside yeah. a basketball. I love that. Yeah. Don't, don't ever give it up, Dion. Just... Be a cartoon character God, your whole life. My God, the place went crazy yeah, with bananas nuts. in that video. It's funny, I remember the same crowd at a Husky at a Husky basketball game going nuts for Nick Holton, Coach Sarkeesian. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they went, they, the crowd went absolutely apeshit before he coached one game. You know, they come out, there's Nick Holton. Oh, God, it's going to be USC all over again. It's going to be awesome. And, yeah, anyway. And the other video that I loved, 
Neil Diamond. Oh, I didn't see this. No? No, I wish I would have. Now so there's sure a new awesome. Broadway show okay. that documents his life. It's all about his life. Wow. And it debuted this past week on Broadway in New York. Okay. And Neil Diamond decided to go for the debut and sat up in the box. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the show, he grabbed the microphone Awesome. And started singing Sweet Caroline. Uh, how do you sound? Oh. Yeah, is it what do you sound like well, Neil? Well, in 2017, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Yeah, I knew he has that. since retired from performing. Yeah. And everybody was on the stage. All the actors and actresses were on the stage. He was up in the box. Everybody was swinging down below. It was un. If you haven't seen the video, I you need to. to see the video. Oh. It's my wife's favorite. Absolutely. She it loves it. It is fantastic. Him. What a treat. You go just see that show, and he's there, and he's singing. Out of the blue, he Amazing. grabs the mic and starts singing Sweet Caroline. It's Pretty beautiful. awesome. Yeah. It's, be it's beautiful. A Georgia fugitive who asked on Facebook why he wasn't on the Rockdale County Sheriff's Office Most Wanted list helped lead police to him, the department said on Thursday. The Sheriff's Office posted its Most Wanted list for November earlier this week. Christopher Spaulding commented on Facebook, how about me? The department replied on Thursday, you are correct. You have two warrants. We are on the way. <laughs> <laughs> the department thanked the fugitive unit for oh, efficiently funny. arresting Spalding. That's funny. Said it had two arrests for, for a felony violation of probation. What a freaking genius. Oh, God. God. Remember slimeball attorney Michael Avenatti? Oh, sure. He was going to run for president. Yeah. <laughs> Already serving five years for extortion oh. attempt on Nike. And uh, I remember that whole Nike thing. That was crazy. That he story. also stole from Stormy Daniels. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. He's now facing 14 more years in prison yeah. for stealing millions from other clients. It was pretty clear from the outset that that guy was. He no seems nice, up. doesn't he? Yeah. He seems like a nice fella. Yeah. Fleecing his clients any chance he can get. A Washington State Patrol trooper issued a $533 ticket to a driver after the person drove more than five miles with their vehicle and windshield almost completely covered in snow. When I first saw this, I was like, ah, leave him alone. But then trooper Heather Weatherwax said the state patrol received a report about the person driving erratically Jeez. along South or SR 16 South of Bremerton. When pulled over, the driver reportedly told the trooper their windshield wipers weren't working. Weatherwax said the driver received the $533 ticket for second degree negligent driving. So oh get that God. snow off your car and get your wipers working, everybody. My plans to watch the ABC holiday special starring the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, probably not going to happen. No. Nick Carter. Yeah. Turns out. Rough couple weeks no for him. Bueno. Remember his brother Aaron just passed. Yes. Yeah. Accused of sexually assaulting three different women, one of which a minor and transmitting an STD. <sighs> Everybody has pulled the uh, the Backstreet Boys yeah. off of their holiday list. If you read the details, it's, if, if the, the alleged accusations, it's pretty it's pretty disturbing. If it uh, if if it's it's all true, true. Yes. it's really disturbing. So yeah, ABC's like, we are Disney. We're gonna pass for now. We'll get in sync or somebody else, right? Jeez, I, I have trouble deciphering between the two. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Well, in, Justin Timberlake by far and away the biggest star at all of them. He's an in sync. Yeah. One second, Patty Labelle's getting flowers from front row fans. The next, she's getting rushed off stage to avoid a possible explosion at her show. You see this video? It was the alarming scene that played out Saturday night in Milwaukee where Patty was performing at the theater. She had just taken a pause between songs to talk to the crowd, accept a bouquet from them, when suddenly two bodyguards appeared on stage. Patty had no clue what was happening, and they quickly hauled her backstage. She yelled out, hold up, wait. Cops say everyone was evacuated safely, and they're investigating the source of the bomb threat. You mm. like you a Patty LaBelle guy? Yes, yes, I like She's Patty She's amazing, isn't she? Yeah. On my own. Remember with Michael McDonald? <laughs> <laughs> 
Once again. <laughs> uh, love that song. Big Patty. I've seen her in concert twice. She's I kind of in, I, I'm kind of intrigued by this next story. Tell me what you think of this. Okay. Identical twin sisters. Okay. Accused of cheating on their year-end medical school exams. Okay. Have won a defamation case against the Medical University of South Carolina. The twins, Kayla and Kelly Bingham, were accused of academic dishonesty in May of 2016 after test proctors reviewed the results of an exam on which their performance was deemed to be remarkably similar. The sisters' identical answers to 296 of 307 questions. Wow. Including 54 wrong responses. Oh, man. Raised alarm bells yeah. among university officials who launched an investigation into the twins' performance. A school honor council alleged the pair were signaling one another and passing notes. Court documents show and ultimately ruled they had cheated on the exam. Okay. The Binghams successfully appealed the decision, filed a lawsuit against the university, arguing that for years they had behaved and performed similarly academically and in athletics. After a four-day trial in November, a South Carolina jury decided the school had defamed the sisters huh. and awarded them $1.5 million. Hey, who needs medical school now? Let's go. So the story is... And I've always been intrigued by twins. Yeah. That they're wired so similarly. It's crazy. That they could take an exam. Maybe you'd say, I don't believe it. I think there was some shenanigans. Yeah. But they took an exam with 307 questions and had 296 of the exact same responses, including 54. And they're saying, look, we're twins. Right. It happens we all think, the time. We think alike. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we know what each other is thinking. Yeah. That's she, just the way twins are. She stubs her toe and I feel it. And we have this connection. <laughs> I'm no, telling you. That is pretty crazy. You believe true. it? No. <laughs> I think they totally cheated. <laughs> I mean, but again, okay, if you were going to cheat, wouldn't you want to like mix it up a little bit? Like you're I mean, you'd be pretty stupid to do the exact same question. So, yeah, maybe it is the real deal. Uh twins are weird though. That, that is a weird connection that they have. Wow, so they won. Good for them. They won $1.5 million. Man, they got to And I'm, I'm to RIP. Yeah, so, so you, am I. Okay, you want to go first? Let's get it on. Oh. Milton How about that? Lane, you yeah. saw that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. The 19, by the way, I forgot. He ref the infamous Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield ear biting bout. I was there. You were? I forgot that was him. I was there, yes. Yeah, he's the one that He also had his own Tyson. television show. Oh, Judge Mills Lane. Yes. He sure did. Let's get it on. That's right. Oh, and he was on Celebrity Deathmatch. Was he? He was the main referee on that MTV show Celebrity Deathmatch where the claymation figures would fight each other. He was a he's a legend, man. I love him. So Mills you got Lane. Mills Lane at 85. We talked about Paul Silas at, at 79. Very yeah. sad news on the day that we're recording this. No news sadder than Grant Wall. This is a uh, real heartbreaking one. 49-year-old prominent soccer writer, longtime Sports Illustrated writer. Apparently was under the weather, collapsed while covering the Argentina-Netherlands soccer match, and passed away at the age of 49. Some well, are wondering if foul play yeah. was in, you know, was involved here. Because he was detained for a while for he wearing did. the rainbow shirt. His his brother, apparently, who lives in Seattle, is gay and came on Instagram and said this is not a coincidence. Yep. Real tragedy. But he did say he was under the weather. He went to the clinic a couple times. He yeah. was diagnosed with bronchitis. They had him on medication. So there was some definite 
chronicled illness before he passed away. Yeah, he was very generous with his time with uh, with Gas and I. He'd come on every once in a while okay. back in the day because we needed a soccer expert and... For some reason, he agreed Get me to Grant come on. Wall. <laughs> That's right. That sounds like gas. Yes, yelling at this producer. Kirstie Alley, 71, cheers fame, colon cancer. Yep. Saw that one as well. That's a rough one. Jan Gay, the second wife of great uh, Marvin Gay, 66 years old. Oh, I missed that one. I didn't see that one. Undisclosed illness. Sorry, back to Kirstie Alley. Yes. Pretty easy on the eyes on her day, right? I mean, oh, you don't sure. get much prettier than Kirstie Alley in her prime. I mean, forget it, right? Boy, I had a crush on her. She was absolutely she stunningly gorgeous. She came in gorgeous. for uh, Shelly Long, right? That's right, on Cheers. She replaced yeah. Shelly Long yeah. on Cheers. And almost did better, I think. I mean, Shelly Long, everyone loves her. She was the original, but yeah, yeah. I think Kirstie Alley won like Emmys. And yeah, she had a pretty good career, Kirstie Alley. Boy, Hotshot was a fan of her. Sad Ooh, news. Yeah, 71. 71. Doesn't, God. Doesn't seem that We're old. not far from 71. What, 49 for Grant Wall? 49 I mean, for Grant geez. Wall. Yeah. Jan Gay was 66. How about Turf the Seahawks' lovable doggy? Yeah, I, re- have, uh, I retweeted that one. You did? Yeah. Did you have that on your list? I didn't. I kind of forgot about it, but I, I did retweet Died it. Died at nine years old from cancer. You knew Turf, right? Yeah, sure. I see him running around out there. Oh, loved him. What a, what a life, though, huh? Pretty cool. Pretty Real cool area. He got dog. to just roam. He had free reign of that place. And yeah, pretty. And he, I didn't know he had a leg amputated. Well, I saw the video. Yeah. That. Yeah, that must have been in recent years. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Ugh, that's rough. Sad yeah. news. The son of Tina Turner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Ronnie passed away. Yep. Yeah, law enforcement sources say they got a call from a person who said Ronnie was outside their home and having a hard time breathing. A few minutes later, he wasn't breathing at all. It was back in 2000. Uh, well, this is the second one because in 2018, Tina's oldest son, Craig, passed away by suicide. Tina gave birth to Craig before she met Ike, but he adopted Craig once they wed. And then Ronnie was also in What's Love Got to Do With It in the 90s. He acted a little bit. Georgia Holt. You know the name Georgia Holt? No. Well, on May 20th, 1946, she gave birth to Sherilyn Sarkeesian, also known as Cher. Oh. Cher's mother yeah. was 96 years old. There was the Holt Sarkeesian thing again. I was starting to get confused. <laughs> How about that name coming up a couple times in this? Holt and Sarkeesian, yeah. Nick Holt. A turd. What's he doing right now? Ugh. The broken glasses. Yeah, the broken yeah. glasses. And the dumb yeah. hat he used to wear. I oh, thought he was God. so cool. Long before Cher came along, her mother was a singer, model, and actor, and was married six times. Sound familiar a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think Apple I have a... Apple doesn't far, far from the tree. Fall far from the tree. No, it does not. Uh, I think that's it for me. Yeah. Okay. By the way, interesting note on Grant Wall. I forgot to bring up. Yeah. He was the one that did that SI article on a high school, LeBron, high school named LeBron yes, James. Yes, I do know that. Do you I remember that. that? Yeah, because I saw LeBron... I saw LeBron James talking about it on the... Uh, oh, you did? Okay. After he passed away, yes. I yeah. Oh, God, that's a tough one. All right. I guess I got some headlines. Headlines! Headlines! Authorities say about 60 containers of bull sperm were stolen from a farm in Germany. The owner of the farm is understandably distraught, knowing that someone jacked the stuff he jacked. An orange cat was <laughs> discovered at New York's JFK airport after an agent spotted some orange hair poking out of the zipper of the suitcase. The owner said he was planning a surprise and wasn't happy when the agent let the cat out of the bag. How else was that going to go, right? A mini boat built by grade schoolers and was launched into the Atlantic. A little mini boat they made in class. Mm-hmm. They made it all the way to England mm. from Rhode Island. Mm. Keep rubbing it in, said the captain of the Titanic's ghost. And finally, deputies arrested a Chicago police officer who was vacationing in Florida after they said he urinated in the ice machine at a bar. In the ice machine at a bar. After hearing news of the the news of the arrest, the police chief from Chicago was not happy and has announced that the officer has been permanently relieved. 
Do you want to hear a quick Norm McDonald joke that I forgot about? A new study says men with beards are found way more attractive than men without beards. More fine work from the University of Bob Seeger. I love that joke, sorry. <laughs> it popped into my head on the way to your house and I just had to get it in. More fine work from the University of Bob. Of all the bearded people he goes with, Bob Seeger? This may not be the correct time to say 50% off of Mitch Unfiltered for patrons. What should you get it for this show? If you'd like to become a patron and get 50% off of uh, a year-long subscription, year-long subscription for $30 at $2.50 per month, just email me, Mitch, at MitchUnfiltered.com. And that goes for all of you who are already patrons. If you would like to convert to a 12-month a subscription, you get the same offer. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, and I will take care of it. Right, and, but they do like, you guys do like real like stuff, not not this cockamamie nonsense, right? You guys do like hard-hitting sports and talk and news and, you know, really serious. So if you're not a patron, trust me, it's it's not this. Oh, look at you. It's not this nonsense. Look at you. you get real stuff. I'm trying to help you. You get real stuff over there, so go for it. Become a patron. The offer expires on December the 25th, Christmas Day. <laughs> Episode 2. They don't talk about cock offs at the Friars Club. <laughs> Not yet, though. Maybe you will. Who knows? Episode 218, ladies and gentlemen. It's the best we can do.